Hello and welcome to another episode of the Mash Those Buttons MASHcast. I am Jarrett and I am here with the scourge of Ironforge and games industry public defender Nick Zelenkevich. You know, I really haven't been doing much defending or uh, scourging lately, so both of those are, are false. What about pillaging? Uh, maybe a little bit of pillaging. Looting, that kind of stuff, yeah. Okay. Uh, Nick will always be the scourge of Ironforge. Thank you very much. <laughs> and um, the other voice you're hearing is Jorge Vagija. You might have heard him from our In Orbit podcast or our Warbit podcast that we did recently. Warbit. So what's going on, Jorge? Warbit. That just sounds so weird. Yeah. No special titles for Jorge yet since he hasn't done enough MASHcast to get a uh, to get a title. I mean, I'm gassy, but other than that, I don't think any... Stop. Okay. Yeah, like, oh, we're gonna we'll cut that one right there. Oh, okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, I'll save you from it. But uh, yes, it has been quite some time, and I think we've been like trying to spend the last few weeks trying to get this re restarted. It just wasn't going. You know, problems here, problems there. But we are back officially. Sorry for it abruptly ending. The uh, like it did the last time. We usually try to you know. Give like a season closer when we're gonna take a little break and that break break's supposed to last, you know, but about two weeks. Not was been like four months, Nick. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, it's it, it's been a while, but we are back and we're gonna be here at least through the holiday season. That's the plan. Uh, that's 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 the golden time, man. That's that's the golden time, so but uh I don't know, like what have you been doing, Nick? Like what have you been up to? I've been Playing WoW, I've been doing WoW talks and WoW thoughts and Warbits. Um, <laughs> I got back into Peggle. I think uh, before we left, I had complained that Peggle 2 was terrible and an abomination should never have been made. And uh, yeah, it's not that bad. <laughs> yeah, I do vaguely remember that many, many moons ago. Yes. Uh, now, I know, Jorge, this is your first MASH cast, but I mean, what have you been up to? In the last four months. <laughs> um, let's see. Doing the other podcast, uh, Super Euro Power Hour, doing In Orbit, uh, playing a lot of Destiny. Uh, I've been actually playing a lot of old school Nintendo games uh, on my computer. Super Metroid, one of my favorite games of all time. Mega Man X, the original one. Uh, after that, it kind of started going downhill. Um and I forget what what else was. Uh, there was another game that I was playing, but it wasn't. I guess it wasn't too memorable because I can't remember it now. Oh yeah, Super Castlevania Four. Um, but yeah, other than that, nothing out of the ordinary, mm. which That's is strange good. for me. Well, I think uh, for me, besides Destiny, and if you listen to In Orbit, I, I am sure. You know what I think about Destiny at this point. Um, besides Destiny, I think the only other game of note would be Batman. Mm-hmm. I think I think that's it. I think Batman is the only other game of note that I've been playing. Even though I have turned start turning on my Xbox One, and I have been playing Forza Horizon Two. I really like that game. I really like that game, and literally the bar to entry is the Xbox. That's the bar to entry. The reason I started turning my Xbox more is because uh, HBO Go does not work with Comcast on the PS4. So in order for me to use HBO Go, I either have to use my Chromecast 
or have to use my Xbox One. And it's just easier for me to use my Xbox One. So I've been turning it on. I'm like, hey, you know what? Let me uh, let me go ahead and grab a uh, a game or a race or two of, of Forza, and I'll play that. Also, I finally downloaded one of the games for gold. Like, you know, how long has it been since Microsoft had games for gold? Like a year and some change now? And there's only been one game that I felt deserving of downloading. Uh, well, I felt that they deserved to be downloaded, and that was uh, Rayman Legends. Huh. How was that? Amazing. It is such an awesome game. Yeah, I remember playing that. That was one of my favorite games of that year. Yeah, like, it was really, it's really, really great. Just solid platforming. Like, you just, uh, platforming seems like such a simple concept. It's like, how can you fuck this up? And then, like, you know, you just see somebody who does it, like, you know, like, like a Mario or a Rayman, they, they just nail platforming. You know, they nail it, and it's like, this game is so fucking awesome. Then, <laughs> you know. And then you have games like the Gianna Sisters that comes up and completely fucks all that up. Oh, rest. Oh, yeah. It was a nice try. No, that, that was no nice try. It was <laughs> it was the worst game I've, I've ever played. Far done. Oh. That, that developer should be shot and, and killed. And then posed as a trophy lion. Jeez. <laughs> I was not a fan of that game. If, if, if I couldn't get that out any clearer, uh, I forget the I think it's Twisted Up or something like that. I got it. Yeah. I got a Twisted uh, Sisters. Gianna is like Gianna. Yeah, that, there we go. Yeah, I got it uh, in one of the humble bundle packages from uh, what's it called? Uh, I forget what else. Humble was bundle. There. No, <laughs> but, but, but there was a there was something specific with that. Uh, I obviously I humble bundle, but uh, there, there were other games that were in it, and and I remember I was like, oh yeah, Gianna Sisters. I remember the fake Mario Brothers, and they had their own. Uh, a game on the 3DS, which was not terrible, but it was, you know, obviously stepped down from Mario. And then Twisted Sisters came out, and oh, what a fuck fest that was. Uh, it would have been easier to have been fucked with a ladle covered in, in chocolate than to have played that game ever again. Did you say a ladle? A ladle, yes. Yeah, I just wanted to clarify. Alright, so, Jorge, you know, con Gianna sisters. <laughs> this is just gonna kiss my ass. Okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think the only game of note that I've been playing was Batman, which I mean, me and uh, Dre from Double Tap did an entire podcast on that game. We did a port postmortem. That was that game was the best two weeks of my summer. <laughs> At this point, <laughs> sad as it might sound, like being the Batman was amazing. While it lasted, and there's like a void there now. I feel like every Batman actor probably says that. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Batman was amazing. I don't think there's really been any other games that kind of just make me like, oh my god, this game is great. I have been playing Rising Thunder as of yesterday, as a matter of fact, and I'm really enjoying it. Um, Rising Thunder, for those who don't know, it's a new fighting game that's out for PC. And it's specifically built around online play, which is a big thing for the fighting game community because online play is actually like an afterthought usually when it comes to fighting games. And, you know, you have input lag and, you know, it suffers because of that. You can have a great player who plays online, but then they get to an actual tournament and get their ass whooped. Mm. That does happen. Uh, But this game actually focuses on online play, uh, which, in my opinion, 
well, you know, obviously I'm not a game developer, but I think if you can if you can master online play, the the you know the uh, local play will be a piece of cake. Even though <laughs> I have played some matches, dude, I've played some matches where uh, the lag kicks in and it's on. It's like it's really really bad. Like I don't I don't know how they plan on compensating for lag, but for now I I have had a good time playing that game. So. And I do have two codes available, so if either one of you want to try it out, let me know. Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, uh, hi, sir. Uh, I would like to introduce myself. Uh, I would like uh, that code. Yeah, no problem. I, I, I got you after the show. All right, so they, man, there's been a lot of things happening. Uh, you know, th- uh, I guess since we've been going, and we're not going to go and traverse back and talk about all of that stuff. Uh, except one thing, Nick. I know Nick wanted to talk a little bit about PT. That I guess that that hit that hit a nerve for you. Well, Nick? it did only in so far as in my role as public defender, I feel like I didn't get to defend Konami. I think they were fine in taking the game down. I think the game served no purpose staying up, and everybody was all upset. Like you're removing some piece of gaming's history, and it's not. It it was a marketing tool. It's a marketing tool for something that's never going to happen, and it's a shame. But I think there was a lot of outrage over that, and and I don't know. I did I. Admittedly, I'm not a horror game fan, but I, I I didn't feel it. Did you get a chance to play it? I watched some of it, but you didn't play it. No, because I'm not a horror game fan. I would no. <laughs> well, well, I mean, the the only reason I I ask is it it was for me, and I know that it's just a marketing tool, and I don't know if this is indicative of the the current video game state or whatnot. For me, it was the best game of last year. Outside of Destiny, as a, as a whole, that was one of the best games of the year. It was it was it was an amazing experience. The the graphics were actually amazing. Even though when uh, they did an interview with Hideo Kojima, he was like, "Oh, we tried to keep it, you know, the graphics low so that people think that it, you know, it didn't come from a major developer and this and that." And I'm Looking at this game, I'm like, this is amazing. This what they put into this game was fantastic. The sound was great. The atmosphere was great. The fact that everybody didn't know whether or not they finished the game right, or if they messed something up, or I, I, I haven't had an experience with a game like that in in a long while. Just right. that that emotional aspect. I mean. I, then, I know a lot of people had emotional aspects when when freaking Eris died at the hands of Sephiroth, and I'm like, you guys are a bunch of wimps. Um, but I think it's safe to say that a lot of people got emotionally invested in that little teaser just because of how fantastic it was. It, it really struck a, a great nerve in a lot of people. Both fi- uh, I almost said fighting game fans, but a horror fans in general uh, and non-horror fans as well. Um, I, I think it would have been very interesting to see where they could have gone with that, especially with uh, Guillermo del Toro um, as a creative consultant for that game. I, I think it would have been fantastic. Well, we'll, we'll talk about del Toro in a moment, but is it, I'm, I'm not saying that that wasn't great, but I'm just saying like Konami was perfectly fine taking it down. And I think one of the things, though, is that a lot of the experience of PT, especially was when it came out, nobody knew what it was. 
Mm-hmm. And that whole aspect of like, well, what is this? What is this leading towards? And then finally, the confirmation that oh, it's a teaser for, uh, I can't. What was it? Was it? Was it something? Silent, Silent Hills. It was Silent Hills. Okay. Plural. The fact, yeah, the fact that it was supposed to be that, and you see Norman Reedus at the end. That once that game was done, like it served no purpose anymore, and it's it, it's it now in a way almost killing it allows it to earn some kind of legendary status. With you know that it's like oh were you there for that PT thing that was a part time thing only like you know you're a true gamer because you you played that you know what that was. Uh, look, um, it, 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 unfortunately, right now it's starting to sound like Yellowhorn talk. <laughs> like I was there when it was special and it was a random drop and nobody had it. And and no, I, and I to to be fair to get to your original point, yes, Konami can do whatever the heck they want with it. The, the, I have it on my, my PlayStation 4. I'm probably never going to delete it because I kind of want to go back sometime and, and other people and be like, hey, did you guys ever get a chance to play this game? And it, it, well, Or trailer or whatever you want to call it. And I'll have a very fun experience showing new people you know, this great experience that they're never going to be able to have just because it's not on the store anymore. Well, have, have um, you played but, Allison Road? Uh, no, I haven't. Because my understanding is that's people have been calling that what the spiritual successor to PT. So, to, so to say that people are never going to have that same experience again is a bit limiting, and sort of assumes that nobody's going to create something like that again. And to a degree, maybe it's possible that you can, you can only be shocked once. Like you know, PT can only happen once. Right. But but even then, like the fact that PT happened means that just by continuing to exist, it can't be the same thing. Then at that point. I mean, it's very much a product of the moment that it came out in, mm-hmm. but it's, I think that, I think if you're saying that that was one of the greatest games to come out last year, I think that speaks more to the overall gaming culture as a whole, that that, that a, a trailer that was free, and, and that's that's the, the other part of this too, is that because this was free, it's not like Konami was saying like, oh, you know, like anybody who paid for something is going to lose anything. This was all entirely done at their behest. So there's no, there's fundamentally no loss to the gamer other than the opportunity to play something, which for the most part, I, I can't think of anybody who, especially the way that the whole situation played out, I can't imagine there are too many people who wanted to play PT, didn't get the chance to play PT, and even then you could still go back and watch the trailers on YouTube and whatnot, the playthroughs. I mean, it, it's a fairly, it's a fairly linear experience to play through it, at least as I understand it. And so it, it's, I mean, you can still, you know, you can still experience it and still still find out about it without the fact that you can, you know, you can actually play it on your PlayStation. Yeah. It, 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 to, to watch it and to, to go through it, I mean, the, uh, the, the, the joy in that game is to go through it without any strategy guides or whatever and just actually, you know, struggling through it. To watch people do it, I don't know. Well, it's never the same but it's my, my point is that it's it's still out there in some form but i just i just thought people were, were were too invested in konami pulling a marketing tool i think the sadder the sadder thing isn't so much that pt got pulled it's that silent hills got canceled because if if pt was the trailer and you're hyping the trailer that amazingly you know who you know who knows how silent hills would have been well well the the big problem with silent hills wasn't so much just it got magnified because of everything else that was happening at Konami. It 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 it, it, it was 
the fact that I thought it was one of the best games of last year, yes, is indicative of the current video game market. And it's also indic- it was also indicative of a, a, a situation going on at Konami where they're transitioning uh, all their resources from video games, from what we know them, to more entertainment. Yes. And, and a lot of the big things with them, especially now, in, at least in the Japanese market, is pachinko. Yes. And people laugh about that, but it makes them billions of dollars a year. It's a ridiculous, lucrative business. I mean, it, it, it's one of the reasons a company, I don't know if, 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 if people are still familiar with them, Bally's, um, oh, yeah. they make billions of dollars a year just on uh, gambling devices, uh, slot machines. Um, I, f- I forget what else. they. I think they work on the tables as well. Yeah, they make billions of dollars on that stuff a, a, a year, and I'm. It, it, it speaks both to the sad uh, time that we're in right now in the video game industry, where there's very little innovation, and and I'm kind of hinting at future things that we're going to be talking about. Um, the the status of the of the, of the video game industry right now, um. People playing it too safe, um, and and there's just it, is it dying? I, I, it's tough for us to say that you know, and 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 not be like, oh, you're you're crazy, Jorge, you're crazy. But are video games as we know it dying? It, it it just doesn't seem like like there's much interest in in changing it or 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 evolving this and and the evolution that we want might not be what the developers want because they don't see it as lucrative. That's a way bigger topic. I, 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 I know it, 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 I, I kind of took that, that PT thing and went 10 di- different directions, but you can definitely see where, where I'm coming from. Oh, no. Right. No, I, yeah. No, I, I, no, I see that. I see that. See, this is the part where I hop in here. Oh, he shuts it all down. <laughs> Time to go <laughs> home, kids. Yeah. <laughs> no. Well, cause I will what Jorge, Jorge brought up a very good point. Like, you know, are we seeing the industry go stale? Is something wrong here? When PT, uh, you know, according to him, was one of the better games of last year. And I'm pretty sure there's plenty of people that agree uh, with him on that. That weren't, because I was actually, when he said that, I started thinking, like, what games came out last year? And the only thing I thought about was, like, Destiny. And Halo Master Chief Collection, <laughs> you know, basically that's the, an HD remix. But yeah, yeah, like that's that that's what came to mind. Um, I think in terms of the triple A industry, yes, things are getting stale, and they are going to stay stale because these these giant publishers don't want to, you know, quote unquote, waste money. They don't want to move, so they're gonna make things that they think will sell or they think that people will want, uh, you know, whether it be for the long term or the short term, that's what they're, they're completely money motivated. Uh, something I have said for the past five years, it's true and it remains true, is that indie development is what saves gaming. Yes. Okay? Because the indie developers are going to push into new boundaries. They are going to make new games. When those games, uh, you know, prove to be profitable, then we'll start to see bigger publishers 
you know, make games that maybe like that or use those mechanics. I mean, even like even right now, major publishers are investing more and more in indie games, and even indie games have their own classifications. Like I was uh, listening to somebody talk, a uh, developer talk, and he said he said he called the game Triple I, you know, instead of Triple A. Uh, obviously, it's like you know a high-end indie game, which we we do see some of those, especially with uh, you know the Unreal Engine being free, uh, Crytek Engine. I think that's free now, or it has a low subscription. I think it's community. a low subscription. It's, it might be a low subscription, but we're seeing these amazing game engines uh, available uh, become more accessible. So you, you know, as long as the developer has the time and the skill, they can make a great indie game. Uh, and I think that's where you know where where we're gonna see the difference, where we're gonna see gaming get safe, because both Microsoft and Sony are investing in indie developers now. Sony more so than Microsoft, and Sony feels like they have more experience dealing with the indie devs and have more success because of it. Whereas Microsoft, they're now just learning how to play ball. Um, Phil Spencer is the savior, as I keep saying. <laughs> Phil Spencer is the savior. He is the one that is going to make Microsoft a, a true competitor, and that's just nothing but good news for gaming, mm-hmm. uh, or for gamers, I should say. So uh, well, I think Jorge's right, but I don't think it's as worrisome as it sounds. I think that we're going to be okay as long as indie devs keep pushing forward and, and making uh, great games. Um, I think that the time of the $60 mega giant game, um, I think we might start to see that fold a little bit. Uh, because out of the last few $60 games I bought, the only one that was really worth it was Batman. That's the only one that really made me feel like I, I, like, I really, really deserved the money that I gave it. You deserved you know? the, oh, ignore me, I'm sorry. I, I yeah. misunderstood at first. Oh, okay, yeah, sorry. Uh, but yeah, that Batman really like. I was like, "Wow, Rocksteady knows how to make a fucking video game." This is like, you know, in so many situations you see where you know the first game be good and the, and the sequel start to trail off. Where the first game be good, second game's better, and then like after that you don't, it doesn't get any better than that. Fucking Rocksteady made a like that, that was their, like the magnum opus. I think I said that correctly yes. when it came to, to, to video games. Um, but yeah. I, Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I just want to say, I think the keyword there is video game and not computer game. Well, why do you say that? Because the game wasn't playable on computer. Right. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Nick was making a slide joke. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Party horror. Yeah. Har. yeah. <laughs> yeah the, the, the joke's not on me because I didn't play the PC version. That is 100%. R-D-R-R. <laughs> yeah, that is, that is 100% true. And that, I... I I can't even I I can't even uh, put a smudge bark on Rocksteady about that because the the reason why that port sucked because it was ported by a third party it was it was like you know licensed out yeah I I, I feel shitty because it was Iron Galaxy that did that and I liked uh, I liked Dive Kick that they did but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah but you know what the funny thing about it is a lot of those companies who do these third party ports or they take these jobs from other developers or publishers they're just doing it to fund their next project mm-hmm. so they're like yo let's get the, let's just knock the shit out and and get to what we want to build right you know that's what they're doing 
And in this game, especially you, you, you charge the sixty bucks for it. Rocksteady should have taken care of it. Yes. And and, and that was that's a huge part it's, of the problem. It's, it's part of the system being flawed. Is that yeah that that shouldn't be the way business is done. But right now that's the way business is done, especially because for those sixty dollar games. You're targeting that. Your main focus is the console. The PC is a second, you know, is, is an afterthought at that point, literally. And that's literally what happened here. The PC was an afterthought. And yeah, and, uh, you need, you know, there there are developers that do prioritize PC, and oftentimes you'll see, you know, the indie developers just because PC development is so much more accessible than console development, you'll see them prioritizing PC. But yeah, it's it's their developers need to sort of, you know focus on what they're building to make sure that, yeah, you don't get a crappy PC port like we did here. Right, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, going back to, 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 the, to the main port, I think we're going to be okay. Um, I think the market will balance itself out. Uh, then again, the gamers are a little bit different than regular, I guess, regular people when you're talking about, you know, the how economics work. Uh, because, you know, with most gamers being hobbyists, they will let their feelings and emotion cloud their judgment, and they will buy a game anyway. Like, how many people were saying they were going to buy The Taken King when when we didn't know anything about it, when all we had was that fucked-up Luke Smith interview, you know, and a price? And people were already like, oh my god, Taken King, I'm going to buy it. Like, you know, all we knew was that they were going to use rehashed enemies with different skins. And uh, I don't even think they had announced any new areas at that point. Uh, early on, I think they just revealed small things, nothing major. Yeah, and you already had people like pledging their fealty to this to this forty dollars expansion. Lord Bungie, to Lord Bungie, yeah. And so, like a lot of gamers will just like you know it, because they enjoy it so much, they will you know they'll just hop into it. I was almost like that for Batman. Like, I was having such an amazing time with Batman. I'm like, I'm going to get the season pass, which is very rare for me to buy a season pass for a game. And I heard uh, Red Hood was garbage. Yeah, and that's the thing like once, you know, uh I was out of my uh you know, my Batman high, <laughs> I was going to go back and buy the DLC. I was like, "Oh, wait a second. That's right. Like three of the DLCs weren't even made by Rocksteady. They were made by Ubisoft Montreal. And guess what? The Harley Quinn DLC sucks. The Red Hood DLC sucks. The Batgirl DLC sucks. And from what I'm hearing, the, the other DLC is supposed to be done by Rocksteady, but I gotta hear it. I mean, I gotta see, you know, what it is. Like, you know, what is the DLC? But is is that so bad that the main, the, the, the original developer did such a great job with the game that it gets you excited that you want to buy the DLC? Like, that's kind of what they're supposed to do. They are no. That's not a. They did an excellent job of the game. That's what I'm saying. But the like, my game. point, is, yeah, my my point was that emotions clout judgment. You know, that's that that then that's what happens with gaming. Oh, gamers a lot of time. Like you know, they will just keep buying shit even though it's bad for them. Uh, like Call of Duty DLC. I think we discussed that on Warbit. It was that Warbit we discussed it on. It was another podcast. I can't remember. But like you know, call so it, many. <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah, that's the thing. Like I, I just talk. I just talk. Somebody puts a mic in my face, and we put out content. But um, yeah, like we call it DLC, paying for content that you never had to pay for before, to content that was rehashed. Like going from Call of Duty uh two to three. And you have, or not even two, three, but let's say like uh, I think Black Ops to yeah Black Ops to uh, 
Call of Duty 2, whichever one's Nuketown was in. Because I was actually from Call like uh, with Call of Duty 2 and 3, I didn't really play the multiplayer. Or actually, same thing with Black Ops 1, so I didn't really play the multiplayer. So whichever one's Nuketown was in, and you have these uh, DLC map packs, and it includes maps that you've already been playing. And actually, I know Call of Duty 2's map packs included maps from Call of Duty 1. And the game uses the same engine. They're really, it's really nothing for them to update the map. Uh, the little bit they had to update it and put it in, you know, make it available. But yet people paid for it. What if people did not pay for that? What if Activision saw, well, this isn't going to work. Let's try something else. But no, now people paid for it. And Activision knows they can get an additional $60 a year for people who play Call of Duty. I, I, Call of Duty players who buy all the DLC pay $120. I don't think that was on Warbit because I remember hearing that and not being able to respond. But, <laughs> oh, now no, you can? No, I can. And the problem with that is that you're assuming that they would have been like, oh, well, people didn't buy this, so we'll just continue to give it to them for free. And the, what would have happened is they just wouldn't be get, there would be no map packs at all. And po- quite possibly, if there's no DLC, they would have said, well, there was clearly no interest in this game, and potentially they could even wind up cutting it. I mean, we saw what they did with Rock Band for the longest time. Mm. So it's it's not... It's not like it's a, like, oh, if we had just held our ground and said, we're not paying for this additional content, you have to give it to us for free, we would have gotten it for free. It's that we would just not have gotten the additional content. I don't necessarily think that's the case, because here's the thing. Like, with, first of all, Call of Duty sells too much. It sells too much for them to just be like, oh, well, they're not buying the DLC, so we're going to drop the game. Yeah, so they don't cancel Call of Duty, that's fine. They're not going to cancel Call of Duty. But at the same time, they need to keep people playing Call of Duty. So what do you do? This is what developers do all the time. They release additional content. Well, here's an update, and here's an extra map, or here's a map that you used to love, and shit like that. That's why I, I think they would have just like we like we would maybe we wouldn't have gotten brand new because Call of Duty does give you some brand new maps and map packs, you know. So maybe you wouldn't have got brand new maps or one brand new map, you know, like kind of like the way they do in Counter Strike. Uh, but still, like. We wouldn't, well, I shouldn't say we because I'm not paying for it, but, uh, you know, they wouldn't be paying $120 a year or expected to pay $120 a year uh, for a game that's usually rehashing an engine. Well, I think what what winds up happening there is assuming that there's interest in Call of Duty, but people don't want to pay for map packs, I think what happens is instead of getting Call of Duty on an annual basis, you start getting it like every eight months. Like they just push up the schedule so that you're still getting that regular content, but instead of catching it as DLC, now they're like, oh no, it's just a new game. And assuming they have enough studios that they can shuffle around to keep everybody busy, um, there's no reason why they couldn't push it out every eight months. If, if the lifespan of Call, all it does is it changes the lifespan of a given iteration of Call of Duty from a full year to something shorter. So I, I disagree because then they'd be cannibalizing their audience. Like how many people? Like I just bought this game eight months ago. Why am I going to buy another one now? Or maybe then they don't they don't bill it as Call of Duty. Maybe it's you get Call of Duty and then you get duty that's callful and it's something similar something enough to keep the same people wait, interested activision wait, is still wait, getting wait, the money wait, wait. what <laughs> what did you just say oh no you get right you get used to this you get used to this because no, this is no, what nick does i, I need clarification because i heard some bullshit and, and i need clarification on this bullshit what 
I'm saying that if, okay, so if, if Jared is arguing that the reason that people would still get content is because they need to be, in, like Activision wants people to be invested in the game, and even if nobody's paying for it, Activision is going to be like, well, then we still need to keep invested in the game, and my argument is no, that Activision is going to make sure you pay for it, and if they're not going to give you the DLC, then they're going to give you a whole new game to pay, and if it's not, and if he's saying that it can't be Call of Duty because people are going to get pissed that they're getting Call of Duty after eight months again, that that's too fast, then they're just going to rebrand it as something else just to keep those same fans interested so oh. yes the, the duty of call full or whatever i said yes. might be a little the, bit that, hyperbolic. that's that's the only thing i need clarification on the name everything yeah. else no, i the, understood yeah the, the name the, is what the, got the, me i'm sorry the name the name is bullshit it doesn't yeah. matter basically yeah. they're just saying you know you know random you know war shooter for call of duty fans to come out and keep them you know paying activision you know after however you know after whatever the lifespan of the previous game was and maybe they have two franchises that they balance. Maybe it's... I mean, that's the thing. Is I mean, fundamentally, they kind of are balancing multiple franchises. So we have Black Ops. We have Modern Warfare. It all falls under the Call of Duty banner. But there's still different games worked on by different developers. So it's... I mean... what what is, It almost becomes an existential question. Like, what is Call of Duty? An on-rail shooter that delivers excitement. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, a lot of sound and graphics and 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 just random chaos that you spend your money and my response to that nick is that you can't clone call of duty like you're talking about them releasing a call of duty clone a little bit early and people are just gonna buy it People aren't that stupid, but they like, kind of do <laughs> they're, they're not <laughs> that they dumb. pay for the hundred and sixty dollar worth mm. of map packs and everything that well you that's said. the emotion thing that i'm talking about they're investing <laughs> into call of duty not to this you know duty of call fall that you <laughs> yeah that, 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 that's what got me that, that i'm name. waiting for some box art on that one at this point <laughs> i I, uh, I think this needs to be made by one of our listeners yeah but like yeah, that's the thing like they've tried to clone call of duty and actually there are some pretty good call of duty clones in terms of copying but it, like, like Call of Duty, uh, the namesake, a lot of it is is the namesake, and so it's it's the same thing. If people know that it's the same exact thing, then they're they're not gonna buy it, in my opinion. Or or some don't get me wrong, some people buy it. You're absolutely right. It's not like zero sales, but the amount of sales uh, that they would get, I don't think would make up for the marketing and distribution that they'd have to do. The the fun the fundamental problem is that. Activision said, we know there's a market for people to buy our map packs over the course of a year, and there was, and now we pay for that. And if the market didn't exist, you're entirely right. And that's kind of what we're arguing is what would have happened if that market didn't exist. But the market did exist. Well, and the market so, existed, but my thing is, like, if people would, it just goes back to my original argument about people using their emotions over their brain and just wanting to eat up the content. And that is, you know, call, and Activision takes advantage of that yeah. in every aspect. Almost every game that they have, it, it has, you know, like, for example, uh, you know, if I buy The Taken King, it's going to be because of fucking Jorge and my other friend Waldy. Like, you know, like, it's going to be their fault. And, like, you know, people play, same thing, people get the map packs on Call of Duty because their friends are playing, their friends have the map packs. You know, people are playing Skylanders because they love those little fucking figurines and shit, you know. Activision's smart. They're, they're fucking smart, you know. They, they're, like, they're not necessarily producing games 
that are just amazing games, and that's why you have to have them. They're producing games that have hooks, and they they put the, they don't even have to put the hooks into you. They can put the hooks into your friend, you know. So basically, that's how they get you're it. saying just say no. When Activision tries to sell you something, just say no. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, even though I will be honest with you, this is going to be the first year uh, in, oof, I would have to say, seven, eight years that I buy a Call of Duty day one because I like Treyarch and they do, do a great job with the single player on Black Ops 1, 2, and 3. And then what you call, oh, it was a Sledgehammer did Advanced Warfare? They did an excellent job with that. So if if you found out that Treyarch's next game was Duty of Callful, would you buy it? Would I buy Duty of Callful? If you knew Treyarch was the developer. Just for that name, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to answer you, and then you need to give me a chance to respond before you say something. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So I would probably buy it because of Treyarch. But I'm not in the same group of people we're talking about because I don't buy Call of Duty DLCs to begin with. Okay. <laughs> I will accept that answer. Thank you. <laughs> so I said, you got to let me talk before you say something. <laughs> oh, man. Well, that topic went way off. Started PT, and then we ended in a totally different publisher. Have, have you missed this? I, I missed this. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. Uh, yeah, no, don't worry about it. I mean, that's, what, that's of, what we do. This kind of match cast goes, you know. Uh, so let's actually talk about what we wanted to talk about today. Uh, a couple topics here. Um, let's start with, uh, actually, well, I'll just list them off. I forgot that we started doing that. And <laughs> then we go back. See, it's been a while, folks. We are out of practice. Uh, we're bad podcasters, apparently. <laughs> um, so uh, a couple things we're going to talk about today. There was a bomb threat at a Gamergate panel. Uh, Activision may be throwing other... Well, here's a storm maybe getting characters from other uh, games from, like, Activision. Uh, PS Plus is going to allow voting. Nintendo Translator got fired. Uh, Grin went bankrupt. MLG is making major bank in Ohio. And the Crackdown 3 is finally using uh, some of those cloud technologies that we were, we, you know, Microsoft was boasting about when the Xbox first came out. We're going to get into all that. But we're going to start off with uh, Guillermo del Toro, which is kind of funny because the... the we could have easily transitioned from the first time, you know, from PT into that. I think this will be quick. <laughs> yeah, this will be quick. Uh, so Guillermo del Toro says that he will never get in- involved in video games again, not because he has had such a shitty experience with video games, but because every time he gets involved with video games, something happens to somebody he's working with. He's bad or luck. Like, <laughs> bad luck, yeah. He's, he's video game bad luck. Like, you know, he works with THQ, THQ closes. Uh, he works with Kojima, Kojima leaves Konami. And he's like, if I do it again, World War Three will probably start. <laughs> so yeah, he's he says he's done, even though he's not opposed to other people making games out of his move uh, out of his movies or his other work, which I am firmly anti-video game movie. I have been that way for a very long time. It just never turns out that great. There's only one video game based on a movie that I think has been golden. Spider-Man Two. Golden is the hint. Oh, Golden. Golden Eye. Oh, even, even then, it, it's 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 a big. When you actually play the the main game, it's it's a little bit of a departure from the actual movie. But anyway, 
all yes, pretty much right. all other video game mo- uh, movies. Video games based on movies, damn it. Pretty much yeah. all other video games based on movies have been, for the most part, duds. Well, that, well, now there's two. You brought up GoldenEye, which is a good point, and then uh, I think Spider-Man 2 made an excellent video game movie. Uh, yeah, movie based. Yeah, video game movie. No, no. Video, <laughs> video game, game based, based on, on a movie. movie. Yeah. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Um, You play Spider-Man 2? I did no. Back in the not, day. Not, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, on PlayStation. Not the amazing Spider-Man. No, 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 no. Tobey Maguire. Yeah, yeah. Which, you know what amazes me? Because I played the amazing Spider-Man. Uh, it was on Steam for like $2. That should have sent me a sign right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, how could you have a Spider-Man game where you don't control the web slaying? Like, after a mechanic like that in Spider-Man 2, how do you not do that for every Spider-Man game after? Because the guy that did that left and went and did his own game. So what? You saw it, you played it, emulate. That's too much, that's too much work. We could just throw Spider-Man on, uh, on you know, whatever the hell we got and just, it'll sell like hotcakes. And that, well, no, it won't because that's why that game was $2. <laughs> like, <laughs> when I finally bought it, it was garbage. But uh, yeah, the, uh, Gamer Del Toro, he says he's done with video games. We'll see. Somebody puts enough money in his face, he'll be back. He's a busy guy, though. He's got a lot of projects going on. Yeah, money. Yeah, no, he should he should Actually, stick to movies though. He's good at making movies. Like I, I'm not I, saying I, I, I will say this though, a lot of his work is not influenced by, by money. No, it's uh, not. He he he's he's very creative and, and, and not to say that he wouldn't take the money. Because I don't know him personally, but I, I I I don't think that money would be the, the one factor that would determine whether or not you would go back into developing a video game. I'm not saying he's a gold digger or a cash chaser. I'm just saying. He's, he's a cocksucker. So you, you, put a, <laughs> you put enough money in somebody's face, it's like, ah, sure. Fuck my morals. Or, you know, not this, this is a moral thing. But Thank yeah. you, Ted DiBiase. <laughs> you know, Everyone's got a price. It's about value. It's about value. You know? I think if someone were to come up to him with a concept and say, look, I think you would be good, and and this is why, and and this is where I would like to go in a video game, and we're able to present it to him. I think that th- that would be enough for him to say, you know what, maybe I was wrong. Let's go ahead and give it a shot, and at least they would have to prove to him that it has a very good shot of coming to fruition. Because I think he's kind of burned on 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 the, on the experiences that he had. I mean, let let's face it. You, didn't he have three video game uh, projects that, that kind of went south on him? Obviously, the one with THQ. And then there was another one when THQ got sold. And then that project was canceled. And then the thing with Konami. I do not recall. I mean, well, if I had three consecutive situations like that, I would be burned too. Well, I probably was- would not want to you know, make a video game. He's talked, though, about how even as far as just getting a movie made in general... Um, you know, that's a, a sort of war of attrition. And so, like I said, he's got a lot of irons in the fire. Um, you know, he knows that a lot of these projects, they, you know, just because you come up with an idea, th- there's a lot to go through just to get it to some kind of point of execution. So it's not surprising, you know, it's not surprising that he necessarily, I don't think it's that he would shy away because like, oh, you know, we keep starting these projects and they don't come to completion, you know, and that's a problem. I think he, he I think he said on the Nerdist that he looks at everything kind of not as, Nothing's ever st- done. It's just kind of in development, but 
Oh, that, that. more so the, the the issue is that I think it, it's not that he's not looking to to let things finish. It's that in this case, like it's people that he's worked with directly lost their jobs as a result of what happened. Um, and that's I, I think that's more where he um, I think that's more his issue with what what's been happening is that he. He doesn't want to see any more people that he, you know, has any kind of interest in lose their job. So then he shouldn't be in the entertainment industry. Yeah. So it is what it is. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's move on to our next topic. Mm-hmm. Uh. So, uh, GamerGate. There was a there was a a pro GamerGate panel. Anytime I hear GamerGate and bomb threat, I automatically assume. That somebody was talking badly about Gamergate, and somebody calling the bomb threat or some shit like that, and that's actually not what happened here. Uh, so there was something called SJ Play or Airplay, which was a it's a journalist conference, uh, a pro Gamergate journalist conference. Basically, they are concerned with you know ethics and games journalism. Okay, that's what the conference was about. Uh, I honestly didn't see any of the like the topics for the panels. However, this specific panel about Gamergate, there was a uh, a bomb threat called in, and I think it cut down the time of the actual panel by about thirty minutes. Yeah, I, I think it's like they went in, did a sweep, and uh, found that there was no bomb, and uh, the 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 I guess whoever was doing the panel, uh, actually, what is his name here? Milo Yiannopoulos. I'm on that's I just butchered this guy's name. I really did. Something like that. Actually, that's pretty close. Yiannopoulos, I think. Uh he's a writer for Breitbart.com, which I found out today is a conservative website. Uh and yeah, which they'll... usually triggers hard feelings among people. Yes, that that does. Uh and there was a bomb threat called in. They cleared the room. 30 minutes later, they were able to get back in, so he only had 30 minutes to do his presentation. And, I don't know, it's just, this is just the opposite side of the spectrum. That means there's assholes on both sides of this story. Right? That's basically what it, what it means. Because, you know, who knows what he was going to say? Well, not who knows, but I'm, he did go through some of his stuff, but, and I don't see anybody discussing that. I don't see any articles discussing what he actually talked about. And his... You know, in in his uh, presentation, like, were you guys able to find anything about? He posted what? his comments, his full comments, unedited, including the stuff that he didn't get to say on his blog, and mostly it was just trying to explain, I guess, his position and his relationship to Gamergate and some of his his uh, his concerns that Gamergate was dis- was defined by its opposition, not by itself. Well, yeah, well, that's part of the problem with Gamergate, which I've been saying for God knows how long, is that it has, the movement has, it's not a movement because it has no leadership. You know, you can't, you don't have a figurehead saying, hey, that's not, like, that's not what we're trying to do when somebody calls in a bomb threat or threatens to kill Anita Sarkeesian, you know. Hey, that's not what we're about. You have nobody offering out a hand like, hey, we're really sorry that somebody did that, you know. There is none of that. Anybody who throws on the Gamergate tag is now representing Gamergate. And this is why you can't do anything under the Gamergate name. People are using it because it has some value as a buzzword. But you can't 
do anything productive under that name because it is automatically. I mean, Sarkeesian and you know, um, I forget the names of some of the other women, uh, but the anti anti gamer gate movement. I should say I shouldn't even name them. I shouldn't even say them by name. But the anti gamer gate movement has successfully associated Gamergate with misogyny and hating women, and that's all the 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 movement is about. Even though there are some people who truly do care about ethics and games journalism, you know. But you have no way to defend against that because there are no prominent people in the movement. There are no. Well, I guess this guy's a prominent. He's trying. Yeah, he's trying to be a prominent person in the movement, and I think that's one of his complaints. But it's it's too late for that. It's too late for him to become a prominent person in that movement because now the movement has been associated with misogyny. That's it. That, that it's a misogynist movement. It hates women. As far as everybody, as far as the the, the vast public is concerned. Yes. And that's why you can't do anything under that name. You can't do anything under that name. You can't say, you can't call this, this is a Gamergate rally. No, you can't do that. No, don't do it. You can't do it. No. You can't, it, it, it's, you, now you just have negative things that are going to happen, like somebody calling a bomb threat. And there's probably plenty of people who thought that was okay because they just associate Gamergate with... But the, but the, and that's that's the other problem though is that tr- the traditional narrative is that you know gamergate are sort of the assholes here and that the the anti gamergate is are you know the people defending everybody but who called in the bomb threat here <laughs> like like bomb threats are just a dick move regardless of which side does it like that's just you don't do that you just don't do that i mean the funny thing is for all we know because of the extremism of some of the people who hate women, they might have thought this conference was going to be like, hey, how do we fuck women more here? You know, or how do we put the women back in their place? And when he gets up there and he wants, you know, he finds out that it's really about how game journalists can be ethical. Well, for all we know, a Gamergate supporter could have called in the fucking bomb threat. Yeah. You don't know. Like, there's no, nobody knows who called it in. You just, I mean, it's safe to assume that it's somebody who's anti-Gamergate. Presume, but it, well, it, it's really, it's not, I mean, because the, the problem is we just flat out don't know. Yes. Um, we can only assume. And we can only assume. And that's, that's, that's for the big boys like CNN and Fox News. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. And not, not as little guys, you know. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I know we've been gone for a few months, but you guys can't forget my words. <laughs> like, <laughs> you gotta drop. Gamergate. You gotta drop the name. You need to rebrand. You need to rebrand. It's okay. People do it. Look at Microsoft did it. They went from Windows 8 to Windows 10, even though Windows 10 was supposed to be a service pack for Windows 8. It was gonna be Windows 8.2. Okay? You gotta rebrand, guys. Vista to 7? You know, what was it? Like, Internet Explorer to Edge? Maybe you guys should just talk to Microsoft. (laughs) Think about it, because they do a shit ton of rebranding. You know? (laughs) You guys need to rebrand. You know? Be a phoenix. Call yourself the phoenix movement. Out of the ashes of Gamergate. There you go. New movement. You're welcome. I'll, I'll take my fee later. Cool. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so that happened. Bomb Threat shuts down Gamergate panel. Um, Nick, I know you are interested in this article about uh, Destiny and Call of Duty characters possibly being added to Heroes of the Storm. <sighs> <laughs> right, that's what I like to hear. <laughs> the uh, what had happened was 
Well, it's what is it? Uh, got Ko Milker. Uh, I guess he's one of the the lead game producers for for Heroes of the Storm. Um, was talking about how uh, the, it's possible that uh, other Activision properties could be brought into Heroes of the Storm at some point in the future. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm being a little too anti. Blizzard at this point, or no, I shouldn't say anything, but like anti-Activision, but it seems to me like the whole, like Heroes of the Storm, the original concept was Blizzard All-Stars and Blizzard Dota, um, it's always seemed to me like the whole thing is that it's all Blizzard properties, and the, the thing about Blizzard properties is that even though they're all different properties, there's still sort of an internal consistency, like, it sounds weird to be like, oh no, StarCraft and WarCraft and, and, and Diablo all play well together, but they do because there's like a shared vision within Blizzard. And maybe this is just a comment about how well Blizzard sort of maintains their own internal, um, you know, their own internal kind of IP that, you know, that, that there's a consistency there. And it seems weird. And, and maybe this is just a reactionary position, but it just seems weird to think of like, oh no, the, uh, you know, like, oh no, the, you know, the guardians from destiny are going to show up and here is the storm. Um, it's probably entirely just reactionary on my part, but I don't, I don't like it. It should stay a blizzard only thing. I don't want to see Activision getting that involved. I think that's one of the, that's one of the things that we, that kind of led to the whole discussion of, of, you know, the, uh, the Warbit crossover was that, you know, Activision getting too involved in, in Warcraft and Blizzard's properties. And this, this reeks more, this feels more like something like, I mean, it's entirely possible. Everybody at Active at Blizzard is like, hey, we love playing Destiny. We want to see the Guardians in here. Let's go do that. But to an outside observer, it feels like this is Activision going like, hey, you're doing really successful. Let's start cross-promoting these things. And yeah, it's it's plausible that they could do that, but it just, I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't sit right with me. You almost sound like you want to say the Jeff Goldblum line from, from Jurassic Park. Oh, just because we could do it doesn't necessarily mean that we should. Exactly. Um, yeah, uh, it's I don't know, and and I'm probably just I'm probably just being overly reactionary. I'm sure that if Blizzard wouldn't throw something in there haphazardly, um, but even then, there's been a lot like Blizzard's had a lot of mistakes that I don't think we would have expected out of them, um, which again all kind of led to the the whole you know Activision talk on the uh, the crossover episode. Um, so I don't. I don't know. I mean, it could work out perfectly fine. I feel like it won't. It's, but then I don't know. I don't know. I mean, in, in theory, if you can mix Warcraft and and I mean, like Warcraft and Diablo, they're both kind of medieval type fantasies a little bit. Um, you know, Starcraft really kind of being the one that comes out of left field. If they can successfully mix that, you know, Starcraft and, and Warcraft together, I don't see why they couldn't bring in the characters from Destiny. It just, I don't know. I don't know. It's 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 it, this isn't chocolate and peanut butter. This is like pickles and peanut butter. And maybe that tastes really good, but I'm not. It doesn't. <laughs> Wait, say what? <laughs> I'm just saying it doesn't. But the reason, no, like, no, Nick, you're right here. You're right. Don't second guess yourself because the reason why Blizzard Dota, well, I call it Blizzard Dota is actually <laughs> Heroes of the Storm, but the reason why that works uh, so well is because each character they bring in, they can make them different. Like, the key characters in Blizzard games are very different. Like you have all these different characters from Diablo that are in the game, and they have their own unique abilities. Even StarCraft, you know, when you have, like, you know, a Marine 
versus like Tychus. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's Tychus, or is it Raynor that's in the game? I, uh, I think they're, they're both in the game right now. I think they're both, yeah. Like, even Tychus and Raynor, who are virtually the same unit in StarCraft, right? But because of they, they have these different personalities in the game, uh, and they're different enough, you could have two different characters. And then you also have, like, the ghost. You have Nova in the game, and she's a ghost, so she has different abilities. And then, of course, you have all the Warcraft characters that they have in the game, and they have different abilities. When you pull in Destiny... Like, I mean, besides, okay, for you for the Titan, for each of the classes, sure, I guess you can have, um, like, Destiny could probably be pulled into there with the same premise. But when you start talking, like, Call of Duty, like, what are they going to do differently? They all do the same thing. Except, well, you know, like, Price has a cigar, and that's it. Like, well, like what are you going to do? Like, why, like, like, everything else is fantasy. You know, everything else is fantasy. Uh, my biggest problem with bringing the Destiny players in is that it's just they probably bring the cheese that Destiny has with it, <laughs> you know. But like you know, Call of Duty, it's like there is no fantasy. Well, actually, no, the game is fantasy, but uh, you know, it's just the, the the game tries to base itself in realism. And I just I I think that'll be a little that'd be a bit much. See, you know? my whole thing for for Destiny not being in that is. I just don't think there's enough individual characters that would make it a worthwhile thing. For example, you have all these different these different characters like the queen. Um, I'm, I'm not, I can't remember all of them since I haven't played uh, what is it uh, Starcraft in a long time. Uh, the the, uh, the one uh, Protoss. Uh, what is it? Dark whatever. Zeratul. Yeah, him. You have all these different characters. Destiny, you have what? Commanders? Commander Zavala. You have a, a Cora Ray. What? Oh, the you, ghost is going to you know go and become a, a fighting character? I, I don't think any of those characters would make it in. I think you'd have probably one for each type of Guardian. Then you'd have, like, Crota. Uh, Atheon. You know, like, like those, stuff like that. Omnigul. Like, you'd have those. It wouldn't yeah, even but... be outside the realm of possibility for them to just pick sort of arbitrary classes and then give them a name and just be like, oh, you've got some random, uh, what are the mo- monsters? I can't even remember their name. Which one? Uh, like the Hive, some random member of the Hive. And it's like, we'll just give it some kind of name and you just play as one of those. See, that, that, that's, that's the thing. Outside of, like, at least recent, at least with, with Taken King anyway, up to Taken King, there haven't been any huge characters for each of the races. Like you have Crota, you have Omnigul, and now you have Big Bad Booty Daddy Oryx. He's and 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 it's a cool, hive. huh? Who's also a hive, right? So. And I mean, it's it, they're finally adding like these characters, like, like these bosses in Taken King that are gonna you know possibly add to the the coolness factor factor and like oh okay. We're actually going after a specific target instead of just Hive, who all look the same. Like, there's going to be Dark Blade, who's you're going to fight in the darkness, and and you could you could see them putting that sort of element into his gameplay, and like Dota or something like that, or or Heroes of the Storm, whatever. I can't remember what it is, but anyway, um, like you can see them, you know, putting those characters in. But as it is right now, I think the game. Is a little too bare bones in the character, um, 
but from a character standpoint to really be put into other games. And like, like the whole the whole talk of them adding those characters, as you were you guys were talking about earlier, just that just sounds like a money grab. Without thinking, kind of like you aren't thinking whether you you should. You're thinking whether you could. Well, the thing is though, too that that I haven't checked. I don't get the impression that they suggested this i I get this this seemed like something that a fan asked and there may very well be legitimate fan interest to be like hey you know like i'm sure there are people out there who like you know would love to see destiny characters or call of duty characters in call of duty and so this is the kind of thing where terrible people by the way but go ahead (laughs) not defending them um because they're not part of the games industry (laughs) 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 but ooh, nick has some limitations wow (laughs) no but You're on your own. Fuck you. Yeah. No, but this is one of those things where a developer is asked a question and they're not going to say no. They're not going to say never. And so they give an answer and then immediately the media picks up on it and says, well, wait a minute. Whoa. Because the same thing happened where uh, somebody said, like, would you, you know, would you guys do Warcraft 4 at some point? And they were like, well, you know, we're finished. We're finishing up Starcraft 2. After we finish up Starcraft 2, we're going to go back and think about, like, well, what does the RTS team want to work on next? And that got kind of you know, interpreted into Warcraft four coming after Starcraft two, which it's one of those, it's one of those things where you get, you get a situation like, you know, like Gamescom, like PAX, you know, coming up, like, you know, like E3 where you have a lot, you know, you have people asking a lot of questions and you know, you get, it's not hard to kind of spin a a given question into a certain answer. Right. Um, and so that's really, I think that's what we're seeing here, is that this was kind of just, it wasn't a question they were prepared for. This was kind of the most general answer they could give. And this is what they wound up, you know, this is what we wound up seeing, is that, yeah, so like now there's theories that we could wind up seeing Activision stuff in in uh, in, in in Heroes of the Storm. And really the problem is that, if anything, this has given Activision that idea now. Maybe they weren't thinking of that before, but now that this is on the table, that this could wind up happening. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think the other thing, though, is t- to note is that Heroes of the Storm is not going to be suffering for any characters. While the premise of the game isn't intended to introduce any characters just for Heroes of the Storm, uh, basically what we're seeing with Overwatch is that Blizzard can just make up any character they want for Overwatch and then take those characters and put them into Heroes of the Storm. They're not doing that yet because Overwatch is still in development, but there's fully the expectation that we're going to see Overwatch characters showing up there. So if Blizzard ever felt like, oh, you know, we need a specific character that somehow our massive library of Diablo and Warcraft and Starcraft characters does not provide for. They don't need to go outside of their own library. They can just be like, well, we'll just make them for Overwatch, put them in Heroes of the Storm at the same time, and we're good. Oh my god, can you imagine if they brought Destiny characters over to Overwatch? Uh, <laughs> no, that's a whole other... <laughs> the game would just be over because the cheese. Like, it's just there's too much cheese. What the hell is Thor? No! Yeah, Thor. Oh, fucking Fist of Havoc. <laughs> you know, Nova bombs flying all over the place. No. Uh, from what I heard about Overwatch, they actually want, uh, you know, the game to be good uh, in term- and, and competitive. And uh, there's no way you can have a competitive game with Destiny mechanics. Can't happen. Sorry, Bungie. <laughs> Uh, so let's, let's move on. Let's talk about PlayStation Plus uh, is going to allow voting for games. 
for for the next batch of games. Now this isn't a constant thing. Uh, they're not. It's not going to happen every month. But right now it's happening. Like since the thirteenth to the twenty fourth, you can vote on. I think there's three games mm-hmm. uh, that you, that you can vote on. Uh, grown. Uh, what was it? Grown home. Zoinks, Zombie Vikings, and uh, Armorello. Well, uh, oh, oh, Arm, yeah, Arm, Armello. Sorry, that's what it's called. Uh, you can vote on those three games. Let's see which you know one you want for free. And I think uh, I don't know, maybe every other month or possibly quarterly. We're gonna see it. Where do we vote? Uh, uh, you can I, vote right from the PlayStation Four um, console. Yeah, I, 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 that, that's store. what I did. You, okay. What happens is you get a message. It'll ask you to vote, and then you can do it from there. Uh, I'm cool. not sure if you can. I'm pretty sure you could just go into the actual store and and do that. But I, I went through the message that was sent uh, through uh, PlayStation. I'll have to look for that. Um, I mean, I, did, I, I like the 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 idea of choice, but I'm I I haven't been too disappointed with PlayStation's choices i mean let's be honest one of the the best games of the year so far is a ps plus game in rocket league um yeah well even when the playstation 4 launched the best game on the console was resogun that was that was a playstation plus game you mm-hmm. bought a playstation 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 plus to play online you got the best game on the console right and 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 i think microsoft is struggling to Match the quality at least, and 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 the value people feel with that 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 kind of service with with the PS Plus and what is it, Xbox Gold? I mean, it it it, it, it the the current setup is really difficult to even unless you you know exactly what the game is and you can just search it. It's pretty difficult to find what the games on Gold game uh of the month is. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, this is this. I, I have no negatives for this. I can. I mean, this is just another plus. Uh, no pun intended for PlayStation. Aha, I see what you did there. Yeah, is <laughs> <laughs> another reason why PlayStation is great, and uh, I think it's good that they continue to try to find ways to make gamers even happier. Even though, like you know, they are in the lead by leaps and bounds. It feels like. In terms of you know how you know how uh, the core gaming audience feels about the consoles, and they they see Microsoft uh, dusting themselves off and getting back in the race, and uh, they're ready. This is gonna be like I keep saying over and over. This is gonna be a great. This is gonna be great for gamers when Microsoft is fully back in the game. And I think we're gonna see that happen around the holiday season. I think Microsoft's gonna have a great holiday season, and they're just gonna keep it rolling, as they should. Making good, they were supposed uh, to have a great holiday season last year, and mm. oh well, no, they weren't because I didn't predict it. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I knew they weren't going to have a great holiday season. No, I mean, I, I thought it, I, I felt that their holiday season was going to be better than before because of the the um, you know the price drop, but the fact that the best game on the console was the Master Chief Collection didn't bode well for it. They didn't have any good games on the console. Yeah, that was the, that, but, that was the problem. But they kept, you know, touting stuff like Sunset Overdrive and which sucks. <laughs> right. Well, the game sucks balls. I don't know who thought it was a good idea to make a third-person shooter with trampolines. 
Who thought that was a good idea? <laughs> what was, I thought that had uh, some of the, the rails from, uh, from Bioshock. It, it, it felt like Tony Hawk meets Splatoon. And I know Splatoon came out. With trampolines. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. It's like, don't touch the ground. The ground is lava. Like, almost like you weren't supposed to touch the ground because you get overwhelmed. Uh, but that's the thing. Like, the game just like, who thought, like, people, somebody just threw a bunch of shit into the game. They went, went, went fucking nuts. Like, oh, this is an Xbox game. They really need us. We can do whatever the fuck we want. <laughs> you know, we've already got their money. Actually, so, uh, Sunset Overdrive is which developer is that? I'm pulling it up right now. It's, Wasn't uh, that the one? It's, that it's, did it's Insomniac. It's Insomniac. I'm like, why Insomniac? Like, you have other great titles. Why this? <laughs> Man, I understand you want to make a new IP, but sometimes you got you got to say no. <laughs> <laughs> this is no, Sunset Overdrive was not a good game. Like that's what I'm saying. Like it, it felt like it tried too hard. Yeah. So like, like in the humor and and everything and it, it, I it, thought I the know. humor was the only thing that was decent. Mm. To be honest, with you, I thought that was, the humor was the only thing that was decent. Other than that, I just thought it was just an awful uh, the, game. The, the, the humor felt like a, like a bad writing session for a Spider-Man comic book. <sighs> I can I can see that. <laughs> I, I, I I gotta be honest, like everything about I I I understand why. Correction, I don't understand it, but I kind of get why some people would enjoy it. I didn't um, say I enjoyed it; I said it was decent. Oh, I'm, I'm not saying that. I'm, I'm talking about the the humor, right? People would well, enjoy. No, I'm talking about know, the humor. Yeah, I said the humor. A, was a cat decent. drowning. People would enjoy that. But anyway, would enjoy um, a cat drowning. Who the fuck are you talking to, like Jorge? Like, who are you? Who who do you know? I know people. People you have know people them. that would enjoy kissing a cat drown. You'd be surprised, people on the internet. Anyway, um, <laughs> okay, I will leave it alone. Yeah, moving on swiftly. Uh, it, I, it was just a weird game, but you know, back to the original statement about you know Xbox and I, 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 I don't know. I, I, I think people are too, putting too much faith in Rise of the Tomb Raider. And I think it'll sell nicely, but I don't. I don't think it'll be a huge uh, system seller, and I don't think it's going to be right as, as big as people think it will be. I'm putting my faith in Phil Spencer. Mm. I think it's a combination of things. I think it's the fact the, that I think. Well, go ahead. The, the, I mean, back to going back to the original topic. I do think that P, the PlayStation, you know, Sony in particular, took a huge learning. Uh, moment from what they did with ps3 because they they definitely rested on on their lore laurels in terms of that system and they thought okay you know we'll make all our money in in japan they didn't make as much money as they thought they would in japan to help offset you know some of their missteps and that's why they they definitely focus on the american market uh, or the the western market i should say because they're also doing trying to do big stuff in, in Europe, but um, I, I, I think that having that, that sort of failure that they, that they felt with uh, the, the PS3 made them go all out for stuff like gold, uh, PlayStation Gold and, 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 and the, the value that they've given consumers. And, and I don't see, even with Phil Spencer on board, I don't see where Microsoft is making the changes to really, you know, 
drive the point home that we want to, you know, deliver great value to, to gamers. Because I'm looking at this and I, I, I'm looking at the the, the 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 Xbox games and I'm I'm like, where where is that 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 game that I have to have on Xbox One? It, it so far like from talking to you, the only thing I've heard you you really use your Xbox One for has been what uh, HBO Go. I haven't Recently, I haven't really heard you talk too too much about Xbox One games. Well, here's the thing that I think Microsoft needs to deal with first, and I think Phil Spencer realizes this. The first thing I have to do is get the people who have Xboxes playing their Xboxes. <laughs> okay, you got to get because the thing is like if you like you're never gonna get people to buy an Xbox who don't have one right now. You're never gonna get them to buy an Xbox if nobody's playing it. You know, so the first first thing you got to get people who have an Xbox playing it. That means fixing the interface. That's not for new people. That's for people who have an Xbox already. Backward compatibility. Terrible. That's kind of for new people. But that's also to get people who had an Xbox playing it. Mm. Um, then you have, you know, I think like Rise of the Tomb Raider, which I'm, I'm not saying it's going gonna, it's gonna to make incredible sales. It's not a system seller. No. And Halo, you know, those two games together, that, that right there gives me, all that combined is giving me a reason to turn my Xbox on and actually play the game. You know, play play the games or play the system, and then when I have a game that you know I may want to play, because I you know as of now, I'm actually expecting to play the Halo multiplayer quite a bit, and you know now it's the same thing happened with Destiny. I tell my friends to pick it up, and they pick it up, and we start playing it, and now you have people playing the Xbox, you have people more people buying the Xbox, and now you can do other things with the Xbox, like you know try to sell services and things like that. That's how the Xbox got big. You know, before the problem was they completely shifted their focus to services and selling to the non-core audience. I don't think they're going to make that mistake again. I mean, we saw with the last E3, they didn't mention any service. They didn't mention the Connect. Thank they God. They mentioned all core. It was all about games for the core audience specifically. We saw. Like the indie titles that we would never like. When have they ever shown indie titles at a Microsoft conference? You know, we saw that. I think uh, you know it's, it's going to be a long road. I'm not saying that Microsoft is going to make a complete turnaround this holiday season, but I think this holiday season is going to be a uh, a turning point for Microsoft. With Phil Spencer at the helm, Phil Spencer is the answer. Better be. If it's not, doesn't that kind of mean that Phil Spencer is not the answer? Yeah. Shut up, Nick. Phil Spencer is the answer. <laughs> I'm with you on this. If <laughs> Phil Spencer keeps up, I might eventually buy an Xbox. Yeah, I guess it, it all comes down to the value of the player. That's why I think it's a good. I think it's great. I think it's it's great for gamers that we have these options and we have, you know, mommy and daddy fighting over who loves them more. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> That's, that's, what this, that, that, that's what this is. This is like we, we, we took is, a dark turn at all. Nah, that, that's what this is. This is like it's about you know, love. That's not a dark turn. Yeah, <laughs> it's like two divorced parents fighting for their child's love. Like mommy loves you more. No, daddy loves you more. A dark turn would be like this is like a parent having to decide between which kid to kill. That's a dark turn. That is a dark turn. That, that, that's a morbid turn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I do think we're gonna see some positive things out of Microsoft. 
this this holiday season, and they're just going to keep it rolling. I'm actually looking forward to backward compatibility, not because I have a bunch of Xbox games sitting around, which I don't. I traded those in, but because my Xbox Live library, um, my my Xbox Live arcade library, a lot of those games are going to be available like they already announced that shadow complex thank is going to be available i'm like are you serious i'm gonna play that as soon as it's available shadow complex is an amazing game i have so many amazing xbox live arcade titles dude i used to play hydro thunder while mash casting <laughs> you know that uh what's that for shame yeah <laughs> well, i think jorge's playing the game right now aren't you Jorge? what what you're playing destiny right I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hear the controller clicks. I know what it sounds like when somebody does a super. <laughs> no, but yeah, I mean, uh, that that was back when we were like really, really relaxed, you know. Rob Hill Williams, Nick Santangelo. <laughs> way, going way back way there. Way back there. I used to play StarCraft and Hydro Thunder. Well, match cast. I drove thunder. Yeah. So, but with yeah, the I'm, fisherman's boat and, and the dog barking in the back. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm really looking at, looking forward to those titles. Like the Xbox Live Arcade was what kept me playing Xbox for so long. So, well, let's move on. Let's move on from uh, the big two to Nintendo. Uh, firing one of their translators. Firing somebody from their uh, what do you call localization team? The, the treehouse. Yeah. Uh, basically, kid went on a podcast. I don't want to call him a kid; he's a man. But he went on a podcast, started talking about some private Nintendo stuff. Nintendo didn't like it, made an example out of him. I don't know if you can say he talked about private Nintendo stuff. I think the problem is that he talked about Nintendo stuff. Period. Yeah, everything on Nintendo's private. Yeah, they keep, they, they keep everything close to them. That's yeah. that's what they do. Uh-huh. And you know what? I'm not gonna say anything bad about it because they make amazing games. <laughs> you know, mm. they like to keep their trade secrets trade secrets for a reason. And they keep a lot of stuff. They hold their IP very close to their chest. Well, I think to Nintendo's credit that there ha- there's never been an, an issue where the community has felt like Nintendo's not giving us enough information. Nintendo's not sharing the, like what they're doing with us, and we 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 are confused and we don't understand and we don't know what's going on. And to be fair, Nintendo, I don't think has any real games. Like, again, I'm approaching this from, like, a Warcraft mentality where we've seen sort of the developers have a problem either saying too much or not saying enough, and the community's kind of had to respond. I don't think the Nintendo community, I think because Nintendo's always been relatively tight-lipped, that the community hasn't doesn't have any expectations for what they will or won't hear from Nintendo. I think, you know, we get what we get in the Nintendo directs. We know there's the three presentation, you know, whatever they, they, they chose to talk about at Gamescom. And I think overall... That's kind of what we expect to get from Nintendo, and there's no sort of back-and-forth dialogue. Nobody's ever... I shouldn't say nobody's ever saying Nintendo needs to say more, but we're just used to Nintendo not saying that. And and especially in this case, I can't remember the last time anybody from any company made any sort of public appearance that wasn't PR-approved. And... I mean, not. I mean, sometimes you hear stories about the PR person being in the room with them. Um, I know, again, uh, you know, there have been Blizzard interviews where the you know the developer that was being interviewed kind of looked at the PR person before answering and kind of had to make sure that they could talk about something before going on um and and you know and, and whether or not you're comfortable with that kind of level of control by your PR department when you're talking to a developer 
you know, that's just the nature of the beast, and I think we're all used to that. So for this guy to kind of not get that cleared and go on, admittedly, what seemed like a very small podcast, and still get attention. I don't think, I think one of the things he said is that he came into work after that was up, and his coworkers were like, hey, you're on, you know, Go Nintendo and all these other major Nintendo sites. He wasn't expecting that kind of fallout. Maybe he thought he could just kind of go and, and you know, shoot some shit and, and be up front with these guys, and because they they had a relatively small at least based on their Twitter followers, I don't know how many actual, how big their podcast actually was before. I don't know, you know, I would hope for their sakes that this is going to blow their podcast up and now they'll they'll grow, but I haven't seen any oh. significant increase in their Twitter followers since then. Uh, but that I could mean, just be that they're, they're not good t- tweeters. <laughs> I mean, they, they definitely got an uptick in, in listeners from, from just because of the guy getting fired, but yes. man, just looking at the case by itself, not even looking at the after effect. That is the that is a classic case right there of dumbassery. I mean, how how knucklehead can you be knowing how how crazy tight lipped your company is, and you decide to go against the grain for what for the hell? There was, of it? The, there was the whole thing last year about their PR guy having his Twitter feed shut down because he was tweeting too much, and yeah. he was tweeting a few things that Nintendo PR wasn't happy with. Yeah. And, and it was the specifically the PR guy in America being shut down and having the Twitter feed taken over by the, the PR in Japan. Just yeah, for for, for something that's supposed that's been notoriously tight lipped, and I'm not talking about just Nintendo. I'm talking about the Treehouse Department for something yeah. that 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 they've never had any of their employees say anything, and I don't know what possessed them to open his mouth. Like, why would you even risk this? What? I mean, the guy definitely is feeling that way now. I mean, he's uh, and I mean, he should. Were... He should like like Zoidberg. You you should feel bad. <laughs> like he 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 basically Zoidberged himself. Yeah, I, I, I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry. It's just the whole thing. Just how stupid do you have to be to to just. I don't know. It's it's well. I mean, it's it's what it, I mean. Stupid is, is stupid as is stupid does. Not to quote Forrest Gump, right? But no, I I think it, it's. I mean, he maybe he didn't understand the complete complexity of the situation he was getting into. Maybe he didn't expect the news would get picked up anywhere. Maybe he, you know, maybe he thought like, oh, I can go on and I know what I'll talk about. And then as the conversation meandered, it drifted into areas that he didn't know he shouldn't be getting into. Um, yeah, and it's 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 a shame. I think there's some questions to be made about whether... I mean, Nintendo is totally within their rights to fire the guy, and but... they should have. <laughs> you, know, you, you know, but, the, I mean, there, you don't have to fire somebody to make your point about punishing them corporately. Um, presumably, though, if... I mean, I know what... Sega's Sonic account was tweeting at the guy. I think he's got a lot of sympathy within the community, so hopefully, you know, some other developer will uh, will be like, hey, you know, we could use a localization guy. You seem like a nice guy. We'll pick you up. Hopefully he won't be out of work too long. Yeah, but... yeah maybe it's a learn from his mistakes type situation. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to give some life advice to everybody that's out there. You should never publicly speak about your company. That you Yes. Work. Ever. Never. Never a good idea. Nope. Never. Unless your job is to speak about your company publicly, it is not a good idea to speak about your company publicly. If you place... Go ahead. Even if, it, if you work for Best Buy, you should never talk shit about Best Buy. 
We're not even talking shit, but period. Do not talk about them, period. Do not talk about the good things. Do not talk about the bad. Do not talk about things that you know are upcoming. You do not speak to the press about your job. You don't. Ever. Never. Never a good idea. Yeah. Actually, our company, the company me and Nick work for, several times have passed around that memo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, like, you do not. You keep your fucking mouth shut. <laughs> you do not say anything. And that that's, I think that's just, that's just a general rule that he may not have understood. He probably was like, oh, yeah, it's cool. I'll be on the podcast and then tell my friends about it, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, that's it. And then you get in the territory where, you know, he's not supposed to talk about it. And, uh, yeah, this is what happens. That's well, what happens, man. Shoot. I think there, there can be a blurring of the lines between what is traditional media and what is sort of hobbyist media. And I think it might be easy to be like, oh, well, this is just like a hobbyist media. It's not, but no, it's real. Yes. <laughs> like once it gets recorded, it's up and like people can go back and listen to it or watch it whenever they want. Yeah. Then your words are recorded and it's done. Well, yeah. here, here, here's the big problem. Like this is a more recent thing than, than anything else. I mean, yes, the internet has been around for, for a while now. Um, but it's become that podcasts and, and blogs have become legitimate sources for news. And all these companies have, have realized that. And they, they, they're like, keep your mouth shut. Don't say anything to anyone. Cause they're, it, it all it takes is just one little thing to get misconstrued. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially with Nintendo, Nintendo's like, I'm going to quote Ant-Man a little bit. Nintendo's like Baskin Robbins. They'll always find out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah you're right it's you should like that's just good life advice right there like do not talk about the place you work for unless your job is specifically to talk about the place you work for and then even if that's the case get approved yeah get approved. Well, we were we were recording a podcast recently and somebody on the podcast made a joke about something that somebody else on the podcast uh, involved with their work. And I cut the podcast off at that point And I said, we're starting over. It was early enough. We didn't miss much, but I cut the podcast off at that point. I said, we're starting over because we don't need, I don't want to get anybody in trouble for an offhand comment. Yeah. 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 Good call. Cause I didn't even know about that. Good executive decision. Yeah. Yeah. I, for all know, I edit every podcast that comes through this place. <laughs> so I usually hear stuff and then I decide whether we, I'll board it out or not. But Nick made a good decision. This is me publicly commending you. Thank you. In lieu of a paycheck. Good job. Yes. <laughs> you, you get a five. Lieu of a, a paycheck. Gold star. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I do feel sorry for this guy, but at the same time, I can't fault Nintendo for, for what happened here. You know, that, 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 that's how, that's how it goes. And now he knows. Hopefully he's not out of work for too long and he picks up somewhere else and, and that's it. That said, now that he's got podcasting in his blood, if he wants to come on and talk about anything Nintendo, oh, even oh. not Nintendo, <laughs> he's more than welcome on the MASHcast anytime. This guy over here. Uh, well, Life hey, lesson number two. Don't talk about your previous employer. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it depends. I mean, they've already fired him. I mean, as long as it's nothing that they can legally sue him. I mean, he, well, he doesn't want to talk about his work experiences to a degree. Don't listen to Nick. Don't come on the show. Don't come on the show. <laughs> Joe, we were so Chris close Pranger, to you, you, and then you just go and at Wookie BH on Twitter. <laughs> uh, okay, let's move on to the next topic here. <laughs> Nick Z at mashthosebuttons.com. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. You know you really shouldn't just blurt out your email address, right? That's fine. Way to go, King Dingling. All right. <laughs> it's fine. All right. So, 
Uh, so there was a Kickstarter game. It's actually called uh, Wolfie. Uh, which yeah, Wolfie the Red Hood Diaries. Mm. Uh, it was a Kickstarter game from Grin, and uh, yeah, I guess the, the game was successfully Kickstarted. Uh, it you know went on sale, and it just didn't do that great. And now Grin is going bankrupt. Uh, so I mean, I guess this isn't a uh, this isn't a bash Kickstarter story because the game was made. Um. Well, kind of. Uh, so no, this isn't a bash Kickstarter story, but it's a, it's a cautionary tale because the game was made. I think the game itself did go out to those who, um, you know, who, uh, digitally to those who were supposed to get it because it was available on Steam. But I think some of the uh, the Kickstarter prizes or rewards couldn't go out. Like they have the rewards and literally cannot afford the postage to send out the, some of these rewards. Uh, so, I mean, I'm not going to say anything bad about Kickstarter here, because this isn't like, you know, this isn't like a Kickstarter policy that caused this problem, but you should know when you go to Kickstarter a game, you may not, you were not paying for a product, you were supporting a product, and it may not turn out well. You're not you paying know? for a guarantee, you're paying for the opportunity. Yeah, yes, thing. Like, you're not even, I will not even say you're paying for the opportunity, what you're paying for is to get this game off the ground. You know what I'm saying? That's what you are. You're basically, you're not letting somebody borrow some money, you know? You're not letting someone, you know, uh, you know, uh, putting something on layaway. You are giving your money. Do not expect to give that money back. You kind of are letting somebody borrow your money because depending on who you let borrow your money, you may not be getting it back. You may have well, to go. I was just getting ready to say another good life advice. Do not let somebody borrow money unless you expect not to get it back. Huh. Or you need to go Punch them in the face and break their jaw. Yeah, if you're Nick, you know, because Nick can just do these <laughs> things. Apparently, oh, I'm talking about I'm talking about uh, Gino Smith. Uh, oh, yeah, well. <laughs> too soon, but very <laughs> relevant, and I appreciate that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, you just gotta be careful. Way. Actually, I'm looking at the comments of this article now, and someone's like, "Cough, mighty number nine. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that was me. <laughs> Wait, you commented in the thread? No, no but... So somebody else commented oh. in the thread and said it basically had the same thought that you did. Yeah, just... I love the concept of Kickstarter, and I, and I think it's, it, 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 it's, a, it's a great platform to see different ideas get funded. The problem is it's, it's twofold. Number one, especially the stink of E3 from the Shenmue thing, when larger corporations start getting involved in Kickstarter, that's when you start, you know, questioning whether or not, you know, does it need to be revamped or or is 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 it okay? Because I could see it from both perspectives. And and then the other thing is, let's say a project gets funded and the budget was I don't know. We'll just go with a, an arbitrary number of a million dollars, and it makes that million dollars on Kickstarter. That's just to get the project developed to a certain point. It's not even profitable. They're 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 at a loss a lot of these times to make unless it's something stupid on Kickstarter like give me money to make a sandwich, which actually happened. And that I actually laughed because people actually put their money in the, into that. But anyway, um, just you're operating at a loss from Jump Street, and then. When things happen and, and 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 people don't get games, it becomes more of a controversy, and and we're seeing more of this happen, and it's getting kind of 
to the point where it's ridiculous. And 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 I don't know. It, 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 like it, it's just turned me off to to indie gaming a little bit. I'm not gonna lie. It just and, and and it's sad because the indie gaming has is the one saving grace for me. And maybe it's a sign of my age where I'm I'm, I'm so used to quality games from from the beginning without the need for DLC. But now. Or, or uh, I shouldn't say quality games, but quality ideas from 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 different people, and 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 you're you're only going to get that from indie gaming. But the problem is, a lot of these indie gaming studios need the money to support themselves, support their families, and the only way they can do that is from from stuff such as Kickstarter, and and I don't know. I mean, the the fundamental problem is that the game. The game is, I mean, and there's a lot of material goods where you need the money for the resources and to mm-hmm. pay for the labor up front before you can make all the money on the back end when you can actually sell the item. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and games are especially, I mean, that's the fundamental problem with the games industry as a whole, even going back to what we were talking about before with Activision, is that the, it costs so much to make a game just to get a game to a point where you could put it for sale that you, you know, you have to hope that whatever projections you have for how much it's going to sell, which, you know, presumably is what controlled your budget previously, you have to hope those projections are at all accurate. And if they're not, I think that's why we're seeing a lot of, you know, the death of AAA gaming from earlier. Is that it just costs too damn much to make a game now. And even then, trying to make a game on the cheap, you know, just a few guys working out of their garage. What is this? The, what, the Grim was six people? And, you know, and even then they admitted that their aspirations were too high and that they were trying to make a, you know, a 3D AAA game, you know, that they did that not every indie game has to be sort of, you know, 2D and and done on the cheap a little bit. But it kind of does because you the the sheer cost of development to do something on that scale is it's phenomenal. And. Yeah, and you you know they 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 overshot their bounds and it's kind of sad. I mean, it's not, you know, this wasn't done maliciously. But they overshot their bounds, and now they're stuck without postage. And yeah, it's it's fundamentally, it it's it's you know Kickstarter. I think we've said before is is the biggest like caveat emptor example there is out there. That you know whatever you give your money to, you can't expect you're going to get anything back. And if you don't like corporations or anybody starting to get into it, then you know you have to not support it and you know this goes back to what Jarrett was saying earlier you know with his his jedi mantra of you know don't let your emotions (laughs) affect your judgment but you know as much as you may want to see something like shenmue you know if you don't think that sony should be you know using that to subsidize their development then you shouldn't be buying it i mean it kind of doesn't matter that got funded anyway and we're you know we're gonna get the game but yeah it's it Really, I I almost don't know why in a case like that, like the developer just can't openly do pre-orders, just be like, but you know, because it's not like Sony doesn't have the money somewhere to pay for everything now. Like like in a case like Grim, like if they don't get the money at that point, then they need to all get other jobs because they do need to feed their family, and that's yeah. kind of the situation they're in at this point. But you know, like a lot of these other developers, like the whole point is that you have a war chest and you can use that to you know develop games and then produce the games and then the profits from those games go back into the war chest to pay for other games you don't need to be subsidizing off kickstarter but you know if, if people want to you know people want to throw their money at stuff i mean 
how many times during E3 in, in Gamescom did you see the little fry meme of shut up and take my money? It, a lot. You know, as, as long as people feel that way, then the games developers are going to get the money, whether they deserve it or not. Meh. All right. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I don't really have anything else to say. I, I, mean, I guess maybe because I said my part in the beginning, it's just a cautionary tale of Kickstarter. I mean, these things happen. For every success, not for every success, but, you know, if you have successes, you're also going to have failures. This is just a failure. And I think it's less of a, a failure on Kickstarter's part as maybe the, the developer. Like, uh, you know, they, they were probably expecting the game to sell uh, better than it was, but maybe they didn't have any contingencies in, plan, in place. Like, a lot of developers, you know, because obviously the Kickstarter money was for this game. And I think they were going to try to take the sales from this game and push, uh, you know, help them push their next game out or, 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 to, or the, for this to last uh, while they were working on their next game. Uh, when when they saw that wasn't working, I think they should have probably started pushing for some third-party work. Like, you know, uh, there's a lot of smaller indie developers that will do work for larger uh, companies like, um, who was it? I think it was Firehose Games used to do some work for uh, Harmonix, you know, while they were working on their own stuff. And it definitely is tough. Working on somebody else's game while you're also working on your own game is hard. And you you really you gotta want it you gotta want it bad. But if you want your company to survive, you gotta do what you gotta do. Didn't we basically just kind of like kind of like I don't want to say crap on, but kind of complain about Iron Galaxy basically doing just that and destroying the uh, the Arkham Knight PC That's because they did a terrible job of it. Like, don't touch it if you're not gonna do it right, assholes. Like, yeah, that was <laughs> fucking terrible. Oh, okay. That was fucking terrible. They are assholes for what they did when they put that piece of shit together and they decided that it was okay and wb games decided it was okay everybody in that decision circle is a fucking asshole fuck them I blame games and i didn't even buy the game on pc you know why i didn't buy the game on pc because i knew they were assholes i knew they were gonna fuck pc players didn't even give them lipstick to make them look pretty before they fucked them <laughs> I kind of want to play I'm, that video from Jeff. Yeah, <laughs> leave, leave I, I think alone. you know where I'm going with yeah, that. Yeah. Jeff. yeah, leave it alone. I might put it in the show notes. The <laughs> <laughs> dude, yeah, like that's how I feel about that situation. That was fucked up what they did, and now that well, they took it off of Steam, I think the got people who bought the game have to wait. Like I think September. I think it's the next, next patch. There's a major patch coming out. I think it's next September. month, but but the 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 fixes needed won't come out until next year. Oh, so yeah, that's really fucked. Like that, that. See, this is why, like, I, I, I don't buy PC games from specific vendors. Like, I won't buy a PC game from Ubisoft. I won't buy a PC game from WB Games. To be sure, EA, it's a toss up. It really is a toss up because, like, Dice and their Frostbite engine definitely focuses on PC because that's where it can flex its muscle. It's useless other than that, you know. So I yeah, but yeah, the, like everybody who was in it was in the pipe for that port. Now I hope the Iron Galaxy's next game flops. I hope it flops because of that shit. That's fucked up. What they did, because it it's clear it was so clear that it wasn't ready, and they pushed it out anyway. You know. But you know what? 
Well, I'm not going to get on it. I'm not going to rant about it. Cause I can sit here and talk about that for a fucking hour. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. Let's move on to some good news. Let's move on to, to, let's talk about the MLG in Ohio. Okay, so I didn't realize this, but it looks like MLG built uh, kind of like a stadium or a studio in Ohio. And they're kind of like a- what they did for, uh, was it not here? Uh, what is it called now? Uh, Dota. Uh, that with, with that one fifteen year old, I know I'm I'm jumping to completely different area, but that that one, uh, the the in Sweden or something like that. There, there's a there's a the stadium that they have. Oh, okay, I see what you're saying. Sorry, I'm, I I know I I fumbled everything right there. No, it's, it's okay. <laughs> I was just, I was like, what is he talking about? But, is he yeah. done? Is he done? Can he can he shut up now? All right, let's move <laughs> on. No, but like it's, they they built like you know an arena or kind of I guess you could say for uh, MLG uh, content or or studio for MLG content, but I think they also host tournaments and things like that there. And uh, it's actually causing a big enough dent in the economy that like the local government is is noticing, and they like it. They 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 now want more gaming content like esports coming into the area because it is helping boost the economy. You know. Which will I think it says? Uh, well, the New York headquarters generated nearly four million, uh, you know, four million. Uh, actually, I'm sorry, not the New York headquarters. Got it. The other headquarters is, is in New York, but the the um the building or the like whatever you want to call it in uh, Ohio. I don't want to call it a stadium because it's not a stadium. Uh, let's call it an arena. Okay, so the arena in Ohio generated four million dollars in visitor spending for Central Ohio. Okay, that's that's nothing to to sneeze at. That that's that's a decent enough. And Ohio is now looking at you know ways to increase that presence. Like they want to help. They'll probably give like tax breaks and you know their help with like okay, well we're gonna you know we're gonna close these streets off and make public transportation more available during these events, things like that. They might get like uh, Iceland when Iceland. I believe it's Iceland um, when uh, the uh, CCG is it CCG that does uh yeah or CCP CCP sorry CCP that does Eve they have yes. a Eve conference and when the Eve conference happens like hotels are more than willing to give like massive discounts and airlines give massive discounts uh on airfare because the the government of Iceland is subsidizing all that because of how much money it brings in uh to the economy and I think, I mean, if this continues, we might actually see the uh, the same thing in Ohio. Like, it, like, would it be so bad if Ohio became like a mecca for esports? You know, I mean, it, it's somewhat centralized compared to kind of like what they're doing. Jump into a different topic a little bit, but you know how they're putting the servers in the Chicago area, um, so that everybody can go through the middle and, and, and reduce lag. I mean, it, being in a, a somewhat central area um, where there could be a lot of traffic would be, I could see, be a benefit to people so that they can come from all different locations. Yeah, um, but even even if it's... I, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I, I, I was... Well, you go ahead. Well, even if it's not, even let's say it's Ohio, obviously getting from California to Ohio isn't the easiest thing to do. But if... The local government, or you know, or Ohio period, is looking to support esports. They will probably be more likely to subsidize 
cheaper, you know, cheaper airfare for people coming in from all places. It's just like Las Vegas. It is extremely cheap to fly and stay in Las Vegas, okay? Uh, because it, the casinos help subsidize the price because they want you there so they can take your money. I think the last time I went to Vegas uh, to stay there for um, seven days, airfare and transportation included cost me $400. That's not bad. That's not bad considering I spent three grand having to stay in eight days for Boston. Yeah. You know, like it's it's not bad at all. And I think this is a good thing. This is a good thing for gaming. Um, when, you know, it, it, the value is seen and now you actually have a government that is willing to to help subsidize it. And it turns and it's working out well for now. Not like the uh, what was the name of that studio in Boston that went belly up. And now the government, the, like the local government was looking to get their money back. Oh, so what's Studio 38? Studio 38. Yeah, we don't have another Studio 38 situation. Yeah, well, that's well. That was different because there, they I mean the government openly invested in them. It wasn't just they were subsidizing. They open, they, they you know, I mean, fun. It's almost like they kind of were a Kickstarter. <laughs> but um, no, but I, I think one of the benefits here is that I mean, you look at the four million and you think I mean they they mentioned having a New York studio, but like four million in New, to the New York economy is not the same as four million to the Columbus, Ohio economy. And I think this works because you've got a city that's looking to kind of you know, sort of reinvent themselves and, 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 you know, they need something to sort of drive revenue and major league gaming themselves is still being built up. So it's almost the kind of thing where the city and the industry can grow together. And I think what's interesting is that they said currently their space is the size of a CVS, which doesn't seem that large. And I guess maybe, and admittedly, like I'm, I'm thinking of my local CVS, although I don't know how deep the back part of it is necessarily, but I know like the general footprint of the building. Um, so it doesn't seem that large, and I think they they said they can't even hold two thousand people yet. But they said if they could hold two thousand people, they'd expect that they'd sell it out just based off the interest so far. So it's still, I mean, it's not super large. We're not talking like you know stadium size venues here yet. But even so, if you can still you know build a facility that'll house the number of people you're looking to house, and especially I think they said even people come to the the venue even when there's no events just to check it out. I mean, one of the things that Ohio has is the uh, you know, some of the Hall of Fames. So, you know, I think what the hall, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, the Football Hall of Fame. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, why not some sort of video game Hall of Fame? I think it, we talked about there's the Video Game Hall of Fame up in uh, New York. Actually, I guess we didn't talk about that on here. We talked about that on WoW Talk. Um, but there there is the one video game that's in uh, New York somewhere. Uh, but I don't, again, like, I don't think they explicitly have you know, it doesn't need to be a Hall of Fame situation necessarily. As long as they have some kind of exhibit that you can go check out for MLG, you know, when nothing's recording, it still becomes sort of a destination. Like, hey, if we're going to be anywhere near Ohio and you're interested in gaming, this becomes something worth checking out. Kind of, you know, maybe it becomes a destination like Canton. Uh, you know, if you're like, oh, I got to take my son to see the football Hall of Fame there. But, I mean, you know, it it, it seems like this is a, a, a perfect opportunity for the city and for major league gaming to both grow together develop together and when you have a situation like that that can become very symbiotic you know both both sides are going to benefit off this there really doesn't seem to be, seem to be much in the way of downside um you know good good job everybody yeah or hey what okay got nothing oh. i i mean i'm uh, uh, esports is all right but the, just the whole, I was, I, I, I'm actually with you 
from what we were talking about earlier where and and I know it's not related to what the, the, what what the, what were what were you talking about but it's just everything about esports represents such a small faction and I know it's about building exposure but it's not it's never been a big thing for me um I I'm glad it it does well for Ohio but esports as a whole is just something eh, okay whatever well, yeah, the, the conversation we had earlier off the, uh, I believe it was off the mic, um, was uh, the fact that esports now is, is used as a marketing tool, and that and both of us don't like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, many, many moons ago, before it was called esports, when we, were just, when we just called it competitive gaming, I think that uh is more enjoyable or even the way you see the fighting game community now because the fighting game community actually i mean it's esports but it's not about what other esports brands are about like league of legends um csgo uh you know dota like all those are really about selling the game you know whereas with the fighting game community with the fgc that's not about uh, selling the game because that's not controlled by the developers at all. Like they sponsor some of these events, but these events are spo- are control created and controlled by community members, and that's why you see the highest level of competition at these at these tournaments. You know, like when you watch you know Evo this year, you see the guys in the top eight. They are playing at an amazingly high level, a level that if you're a beginner. You could, you would never hope to achieve just hopping into the game. This takes years and hundreds or thousands of hours to accomplish this, and that—that's the conversation we were having. Was that that's this is what's gonna set this was what separates well one of the things that separates real sports from esports. With real sports, you know the NFL or the NBA isn't concerned about accessibility. They know people want to see the highest level of competition. They're gonna get the best athletes, and that's that's you know what what they're gonna do. So when you watch NBA or the NFL or Major League Soccer, whatever, you always see the best of the best playing at the highest level possible. Best of the best with Major League Soccer. Let's be real. Okay, I don't watch soccer. Don't know what that's do. about. I'm leaving I it alone. I do, and 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 that that's just funny. That's silly. It's okay, silly. I just said soccer because I was being inclusive. I know, inclusive. I know. I'm just being silly. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm, next I'm time I won't be inclusive. Okay, I'll be very American and be like soccer. You know. <laughs> but, <laughs> I think you meant to say football. Oh, excuse me. It's, it's fucking soccer. Thank you. <laughs> Damn. We have football. Thank you very much. Um, but, uh, yeah. use your feet at all. Moving on. <laughs> yeah, so... You know, with like, like you know, with regular sports, like I said, they play. You have the best of the best, quote unquote, playing at the high, <laughs> highest level of competition. With esports now, you really don't. I mean, you don't have the best of. The, I mean, you might have the best of the best, but they're not playing at the highest level of competition because uh, League of Legends, for example, um, and you see, you'll see a lot of companies and people trying to say they want to be the next League of Legends. Actually, even Rising Thunder. They were saying they wanted to be the next League of Legends, and I think they forgot how League of Legends became League of Legends. And here's a little history lesson for those who play League of Legends but don't know, okay? Because I played League of Legends when that shit was an alpha, dog. Like, I, I am an OG when it comes to League of Legends. League of Legends, when it first came out, it also came out um, at the same time with Han, 
which is Heroes of New Earth, okay? In the beginning, Heroes of New Earth was the pro Dota clone, and League of Legends was for noobs. League of Legends was a great game to get into if you wanted to learn how to play um, MOBAs, because it'll teach you, and then once you got to a high enough level, you move over to Han, where the pros play. Uh, what um, Riot did was they started to infuse cash into League of Legends tournaments and make these huge prize pots, and that is what brought the players from Han over. And that's how you got a pro player base in League of Legends. So, And then when you put that pro player base on top of the fact that so many people were playing it because it was more accessible, this is how League of Legends got so big. Okay, Not only is it more accessible for people to play, but on top of that, it's easier for them. Now that they know how to play, it's easier for them to understand. Like, I know people who play League of Legends endlessly and still can't play Han and they can't play Dota. Okay? Because League of Legends is built to be accessible. So that's the thing with esports. Esports is built on accessibility. You know? Call of Duty, like now, is way more accessible than it used to be. You know? Counter Strike Go way more accessible than it used to be because of how they've balanced the games. They've ultimately made things easier. They don't, I mean, I'm not saying that for, for a game to be esports, everything has to be super hard, but what I'm saying, there needs to be a, a, a high skill ceiling so that you can start at the bottom, but you know, you have to work a lot to get to the top, you know, as opposed to like what you see in Call of Duty now where there's a low skill ceiling. And this is the problem, like, we're, we're, with the exception of fighting games and StarCraft, to be honest, StarCraft right now, because I did read an article where they're going to be making some changes to StarCraft, and I think it's a bad idea, but I'm not going to get into it. But, um, you know, with StarCraft now, like, those games, you still see the best, best playing at this super high level of play, and it's enjoyable to watch because of that. The reason I don't watch League and I don't watch Counter-Strike, uh, you know, esports is because the shit's kind of boring. It's the same shit that I can do if I just put enough time into it. You know? I'm not watching somebody who, who, who exceeds my skills that greatly. You know? It's, it's not... It's, I really don't want to watch an eSport that's about accessibility because then you're not watching a high level of competition. If that makes sense. <laughs> what he said. <laughs> yeah, so that's why Jorge has a problem with eSports. But I think this is just good for gaming in general. You know, the fact that, you know, if, if a township's going to be, not a township, but, you know, a local government's going to be taking it more seriously, I think more, I, I, I think, I don't think any harm's going to come from that. Uh, with esports, my problem with esports, that can be resolved by, you know, uh, game developers not making pussified games, you know, for competition. Uh, you know, another game that's also still has, a high, you know, the best of the best played at a high level, Quake. Quake 3 Arena, or Quake Live it's called now. You know, that's played at high levels of competition. I think Doom, well, depends on how, I wonder what they're going to do with the multiplayer. Are they going to modernize it, which basically just means make it more accessible? But Doom, like, I think could have a healthy esports um, community with high levels of play and competition. That was the thing about esports. That's why I used to love playing Counter-Strike competitively, because it was so rewarding to get to those levels. You know? If I play Cal I, I should not be going into a server like a, like a, you know like a uh, a public server and have a chance to get dominated by a noob. You know what I'm saying? Because of the way it is, and that's how Destiny works. I mean, with Destiny, like no matter almost no matter how good you get, 
you still have the cheese, you have the galahorns, you have the thorns, you have, um, you know, the supers, which are cheese on cheese. Then you have the, uh, the, the grenades, which are cheese on cheese. Like, everything's fucking cheesy in that game. And it, and it, it makes it so that even if you're experiencing the game, or you're not experiencing the game, you can still feel good about yourself because you're killing these people. But that experience, that that good feeling, goes away after a while because uh, you know you realize that you're really not that good. There's no sense of accomplishment in Destiny. There's no sense of accomplishment in Destiny. Like in my opinion, there's no sense of accomplishment in League. There's no sense of accomplishment in uh, CS:GO. I'm running out of games to play, man. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, you got a Steam backlog. Look at that. Yeah, I, I do. I, uh, don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not saying like, uh, well, specifically with Counter Strike, Go does take some skill, but the level of play, just like the difference in level of play, just really isn't there. It feels like, you know, and it gets boring. And I think I, I you know, that's I, I kind of blame my competitive background for that because now, like, almost every multiplayer game I get into, I have a mind, I have a competitive mindset. But in reality, I'm never going to go anywhere with it because I'm not going to go, I'm not going to quit my job to go play esports. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And like, when I, I, I get really bored with a game if I hit the skill ceiling quickly. And I don't like want to play it so much anymore, you know? Like, well, Jorge, I mean, like, how, I mean, we played the Crucible last night. We used to play the Crucible every night and we stopped. Now the only reason I play the Crucible is one to get bounties so I can upgrade weapons, and two, like when you guys are playing, I'll play it just to talk. Mm-hmm. You know, like I don't play it like really for enjoyment anymore. I don't think anybody does anymore. <laughs> yeah, like like we've recognized what the meta is, what the current state of it is, and I don't know. Just it's it's hard to really defend it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm pretty sure we've had enough of that. Let's uh, let's talk about our last topic, which is the Crackdown Three. I really don't want to talk about the the single player. Uh, I barely want to talk about the multiplayer, to be honest with you. Oh, okay. Uh, but the Crackdown Three, uh, the multiplayer uses the cloud technology that Microsoft was touting when they were first announcing the Xbox One, talking about this cloud technology that's going to change gaming, and we finally start to see it. Because, you know, the, the multiplayer has unlimited, pretty much unlimited indestructibility. Okay. Mm. Kind of what you see in... Red Faction. Yeah, or, or Battlefield, I would say. Except with Battlefield, you know, every all the builds can be destroyed. Actually, I don't even know in Battlefield 4 if all the builds can be destroyed. But I think the way they come down, like, it's pretty much standard. You know? Like, you, 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 uh, you, put, explode, you put enough damage on it, and then the building's going to come down. And this is more dynamic. Like, yeah, like you know, you can you don't just have to bring a building all the way down. You can you know, blow it up from a certain level, and then it'll 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 tumble down. You know, and I mean, Microsoft's finally starting to flex their muscle with the cloud gaming thing. But I don't want them to get comfortable with this at with this concept that. And right now, like I said, this isn't a multiplayer. But if you can't put this technology into single player that requires the cloud to do certain things in the game. Because then it becomes always online, and that's what you got in trouble for in the first place. You know, I don't think I, I think they need to take the grand salt. Or even if you know, if you maybe you can have a game where it's like, hey, if you play this online, the effects are greater. If you don't, you can, but you know, you can't blow up buildings. 
and stuff like that. I think that Microsoft just needs to be cautious with this. The crackdown, well, I, I don't even know if we're going to see another game with this because, I mean, the Crackdown 3 obviously was in development um, from the start with the Xbox, so they probably were in so deep that they were just like, you know what? Just uh, make sure they have, you know, keep it in the multiplayer. For all we know, this could have been part of the single player and they took it out because of the backlash of being always online. I mean, I, I like the concept behind it, but I gotta be honest, what's the, what's the practical application? Like, how is this going to improve my game? And, 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 and maybe it's just me. I, I'm not a huge Battlefield player, so the, I don't know how taking down a building affects the multiplayer game. But, uh... Well, I thought you were going to say what, something. What, yeah, what you I was just going to say, it just looks more awesome. <laughs> that's all. <laughs> right, no, and, and that's fine. It looks is fine, but but I, I've, I've always gone, me being the Nintendo head that I am, I've always gone for quality over, you know, graphical effects. What does this do? And, and, and is this currently the only game that's really using it to the, to the, to the maximum potential? Because... Um, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Because they don't want to have a product that they can't put on PS4? Because then we start getting into the, the new Nintendo 3DS territory where there's only one new game that takes advantage of the new Nintendo 3DS. So... While I I, I, I I think the concept is, is very, very cool and potentially very good for future games and, 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 and future aspects, outside of visual looks and stuff, what's the point? And, 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 and I, again, I get that it looks cool and it makes the, the thing more immersive, but I want, I want more than just it looks cool. Well, the thing is, like, well, in this game, I think it's a lot. Of, a lot of it has to do with the building destruction and the physics calculations behind it. Mm. Uh, cloud gaming absolutely, absolutely has a lot of um, potential. Potential, like you know, being able to toss calculations to a cloud server and then it tossing it back while your game is actually playing. It stops. Um, you know, it allows games to be played at sixty frames a second. Uh, it stops. Uh, you know, uh, you know, frame loss and, you know, things like that. And there's a lot of things that can be done with the extra computing power of the cloud. Right. But to be honest with you, I mean, I don't want to substitute that for having the chance where I could turn on my Xbox. My internet works perfectly fine, but somebody is DDoSing Microsoft, so therefore I can't play my games. You know, there's a there's hundred reasons, more than a hundred reasons, actually, uh, of why... You know, of, of ways that the cloud, you know, your connection to the cloud can be taken down. Right. You know, and I don't want to be, I don't I don't want to substitute my gameplay experience for that, to be honest with you. Right. I mean, it sounds cool, but unless you can guarantee me uptime on a single player game, I don't want to deal with it. Because when the internet goes out or I can't access it, I can still access my, you know, I can still access the main game and play it that way. That, that I mean, that, that, that that's the thing. Um, that, like I said, I I just think that, look, there's so many positives for cloud gaming, so many positives. But I'll be honest with you, I think the, the negatives, negatives outweigh, like the negatives outweigh the positives, like the fact that you always have to be connected. You know, yep. I think that's that's an issue. You always have to be connected. I agree. 
But that's why I mean, I, this is cool and all, especially because it's multiplayer only. You know, this this feature it's it's multiplayer only, so you're expected to be online anyway. But in the single player, if you were expected to be online, I don't like that. Like that's why like the new Need for Speed looks good to me, but I'm not buying it because always online. You know. And they say, oh, you, you know, for what we were trying to do, it always has to be online. That's bullshit because Forza, actually Forza, in my opinion, requires more online capability because of how they handle, um, what do they call them? The drivatars on Forza? Drivatars? Yeah, these things called drivatars where they basically, as you drive in the game, okay, um, and you don't have to be friends with somebody to do this. As you drive in the game, the game is collecting metadata on you. You know, how's your turning? Uh, how fast do you usually go? How's your braking? How's your handling? All this stuff. It collects metadata on you, okay? And it creates a drivatar based on that metadata. And then they take your drivatar and they put it into other people's games so that when other people are racing, they're actually not just racing against an AI, they're racing against an AI that was ba- that's based on you. That's based on an actual person. And so the races in Forza, unless you put it down to easy, the races on Forza are actually a bit more challenging. The AI uh, doesn't do things the way you expect AI to handle it, to, to, to handle itself all the time. And that's why I like the AI. However, if you turn on Forza without ever connecting to the internet, you still have an AI to play against. You know? And for them to say that Need for Speed requires always online connection, that's bullshit. I don't understand, especially EA, I don't understand the massive hard-on they have for always online games. Like, it's not like they're piping advertisements through these things. You know? I think the issue with the always online games is that they're harder to to pirate. Is that if you have to connect to our servers, then, you know, you can't... You can't just take the, you know, you can't steal this game. You can't get by without, you know, pl- playing our official version that you're paying us for. Well, that is true, but we're talking about consoles and console pri- pri- piracy isn't just, it's just not that huge of an issue. I'm sorry. Like, it, it's not that huge of an issue to affect everybody like this. I think it's just control. They just want to control the experience. Yeah, when they, they don't need to, they don't need to have absolute control over the game, they still have this, oh, we want games to be a service. No, fuck you. Games are games, dog. They're software. They're packages. They're not services. This is not Microsoft Office. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And that, that's that's the thing. They're always going to get kicked back about that. Always going to get kicked back about it. And I don't know if they're waiting for the younger generation to get older so they can say, hey, this is just the way it is. They can't do it because I'm going to be here. I'm going to be here telling them that's not the way it's supposed to be. And I'm going to show them. I'm gonna show him, Nick, Jorge. You, <laughs> <laughs> you do that. I, yeah. I in Jared, I trust. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I just don't want this to become a trend. I mean, it's cool, but that's not that cool. <laughs> you know. I, I um, mean, I, I think you and I are pretty much on the same boat. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just looking at more from a, a technical perspective than um, a piracy or or, or service perspective. Right. Or anything else like that. It's just I, I don't see the need for it. Um outside of outside of looks, which is fine, but what does it add so far? And and I, I completely get what in fact I, I completely agree with what you're talking about in terms of 
oh, well, this, you know, if it's always online, then how does, you know, what if I don't get the, the constant connection? Yeah, and it's but, not even my internet connection that I'd be worried about. It's them. It's their servers. Now, how many times have we turned on Destiny and we can't connect to their servers? My goodness. You know? We can't connect to their servers. My internet's fine. What's wrong with yours? By the way, to to our listeners, I would like to apologize for all the Destiny references that we've been using throughout this podcast. (laughs) It's a little late for that. (laughs) Shut your horn. We're like two hours in right now. (laughs) So we're going to go ahead and wrap this thing up, to be honest with you. Um, So, yeah, that was our last topic. Um, I think think we're done here. I think think we're good to go. our mash casts really shouldn't be two hours. <laughs> uh, generally, we like to keep the mash cast about an hour or so, but this was the return mash cast. Uh, we had to get it out of our system. It felt you know? good to get it out of the system. Well, good no, because uh, honestly, I think it's evident that, that we're all very passionate about games and we're very concerned about certain directions that the industry seems to be going in. Uh, some for different reasons than others, but I think as a whole... It's very evident that there's a certain thing that, that concerns us. EA, Activision. Um, yeah. Yeah, you're right about that. <laughs> um, yeah, so, all right. Well, let's let's go ahead and we'll finish this up and uh, we'll get this podcast out. Um, where do we start now? Like, It's been like four months and we've kind of changed the ending format now, especially because we've got four podcasts. Well, yeah, four podcasts going simultaneously. Simultaneous um, love, at least, yeah. yeah, yeah. So let's start with your information, Jorge. Why don't you tell them where they can find you? You can find me right here on the <laughs> the Match Those Buttons Network over at In Orbit. Um, you can find me at on Twitter at go to that's the number two N R G. Uh, you can. Listen to me on Super Euro Power Hour on another network. And you can get me on PlayStation Network at GoToNRG as well. You sure your Twitter's GoToNRG? Oh, wait a minute. It's not good. <laughs> no, my Twitter is J-I-V as in Victor, E-G-U-I-L-L-A. All spelled out. There you go. I was going to say, you sure about that? My bad. You know, I, I, I did things. Things happened. And... Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, how about you, Nick? And I am at WookieBH on Twitter. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, was, go ahead. Was I supposed to mention World Talk there? Uh, no, I'll take care of that. Okay, oh, okay. cool. All right, yeah. So, um, like I said, we have four podcasts going on. MASHCAST is back, and we are going to be doing that weekly. Uh, I would say probably at least through December, since we took a four-month break that we didn't mean to take. Uh, so at least through de- uh, December, uh, and then we might take a small break and then come back. Uh, so that's going to be weekly, so yay for that. Um, we also have WoW Talk, which was bi-weekly. Uh, and that has um, you know Nick, Ray, Jeremy, and... Uh, Eric. Eric, there we go. Wow. <laughs> I could like why I don't know why I could, I'm I am i am pitching his face in my head. No name is coming up. Go me. Maybe it's cause we've been talking for two hours. Uh but yeah, so and Eric. Then there's uh Double Tap, which has Meza and Crash Tag, that's for the fighting game community. Wow talk obviously about WoW. 
And then we have In Orbit, which is our Destiny podcast with me, Jorge, and uh, Waldy77 uh, for now. Don't know if Sage is ever going to come back. We will see. <laughs> okay. Uh, but, yeah, so we have that. Uh, and that's also monthly. Double Tap and Wild Talker monthly. Okay. Uh, you can catch us on SoundCloud.com slash Smash Those Buttons. We are on iTunes. Uh, we are on Overcast, actually. We're on Overcast, uh, which is also on iOS. You know, Stitcher Smart Radio, which is for Android and iOS. We're on Player.fm, Pocket Casts. Uh, yeah, we're on, a, we're, we're on a lot of stuff now. Um, you can even catch your own art and get the individual RSS feed if you use some other type of reader. Um, we are on Twitter.com slash MTB site. We are on Facebook.com slash Smashes Buttons and YouTube.com slash Smashes Buttons. So we're big those, time in the baby. Oh, yeah, all those ways you can, uh, you can, uh, you know, keep up with us. Uh, if you like the show, you know, just leave us a comment. You know, you can give us a rating on iTunes. If you want to, yeah, just let us know. iTunes, Stitcher. Uh, but yeah, just reach out if you have any questions or comments. And uh, who knows, we might talk about it on the next show. Alright, so yeah, this is uh, MASHCast number 154, and we're out of here. Catch you later. ETFN. Have a great week, everybody.